I am. I am. I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's a standing the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drown. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. 'Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset, sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue. Put down your pens, put down your pencils, step away from the keyboards, and settle in for this week's episode of Writer's Block. First and foremost, let me thank Low Tide Kava Bar for the kava that I drink on this and every episode. I would have some for you, but you said you didn't want any. Yeah, I don't want to be rude about no, the kava. You know, I, lo- I support your kava intake. And I and I appreciate it, and uh, I understand. <laughs> it tastes awful. It's different strokes for different folks. It is. Also, let me thank Muddied Waters Media for allowing me to do this show, which I know that's really funny since I own Muddied Waters Media. And thank you to Don and Sally Wright for giving birth to me, which is truly just a gift to the rest of you. Um, today I have on Mr. Alex Snicker, which I'm very excited to have him on. You were on an episode of the Muddied Waters of Freedom. This was a while ago. That was a while ago. I think that was like episode 21, and we're on episode 75 or something. Gee, Manetti. Yeah. So... Uh, it's been it's been a while since we've been able to get you back on. Yeah, you know what, man. Sometimes it, you know what I'll tell you what it is. You, when because we and you talk all the time, we do. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, well, how are we gonna how are we gonna make it work? How are we gonna make it you know make it fit? And then I'm trying to get my studio back up, and I, I like I almost want to wait for that. But then at the same time, it's just easier not come down here and right. hang out and have a good time. So right. and I happen to be in the neighborhood for other reasons. Right, which. Always glad to have you come by. Uh, always glad to have you in studio because we have the funniest conversations, in my personal opinion. Yeah, they're kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely glad that you uh, were able to fit this into your schedule this week. Um, so, for anybody out there who doesn't know who you are, give them a little bit of a background on you. Like, I know 
You and I met while we were in the Libertarian Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so in 2010, I ran for the U.S. Senate as a Libertarian. And between the years of 2010 and 2016, I was in the politically active as an activist in the Libertarian Party. And in 2016, I had left the Libertarian Party and had joined the Republican Liberty Caucus, which is a group of libertarians inside the GOP. And at this point, I am the executive director of the National Republican Liberty Caucus, um, which is a paid position. Um, oh. And I am you know, actively helping them build chapters and to promote libertarianism within the GOP. Well, that's, I mean, that, you know, that's... In a nutshell. That's so funny because uh, when we were... When we were both in the Libertarian Party, everybody always said, don't you think it would be better to try to change the GOP from within? I'd have punched somebody that said that to me. I'd have punched him. I'd have punched him. I was always like, no, I think it's better to give somebody a third option, <laughs> to give them more options so that way they can see all of the options available and make a more qualified decision. And, and <laughs> now you're actually working on that side. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I, you know what? I guess before we get into the other stuff, let's hash that part of it out. That's fair. And I, and in full disclosure, I have helped you out on stuff with the RLC, so technically I'm doing the exact same thing. I mean, you are a member, but you, right. know, you don't have to be a registered Republican to be a member, by the way. Right, which I'm not a registered Republican, so... so but you are a member, but you know, at any rate. Look, here's the thing. 2016, as a political year... I don't want to say it was a bad year because, like, to make it sound like what I'm about to say is going to make it sound like it was a bad year. And in my opinion, I don't think it was necessarily a bad year, but there's a lot of things in me personally that died in 2016. Like, I don't want to say, like, I found out that there was no Santa Claus because that sounds like the weird way of saying it. Right. But what I did find out was is that I belonged to a party that wasn't serious about actually advancing the principles in which they exposed. Yes. Exposed. And that any of the advancements that I was witnessing that were being made were actually had far more to do with me and far less to do with the... It was in spite of the efforts of others within the organization. And I was just sick and tired of getting attacked all the time. Like, I, like you, almost, you do all this work and then it's like... It's like you do all the work and then they yell at you for doing the work and then when you're like, well, I'm going to do more work and then it's almost like a, they, they just keep yelling at you. They get People within the party get madder and madder and madder and madder. And I think that at the end of the day, what they really hated was any type of success or any moniker of success or any moniker of actually moving things forward, in my opinion. And and sometimes you have to, you know, the real failure is the failure to recognize. And so, you know, after Johnson's campaign and after, you know, what I witnessed at the National Convention and just I was so sick and tired of all of it. And then, you know, the, the RLC has always been an organization that's kind of in the activism that I was doing, especially in Tallahassee with legislation, they were always there. They were always there. And when I would yell at them and tell them that, hey, you're going to be coming over to the LP one day, and they would just smile and laugh, and, you know, it would be funny, but at the same time, they were always up there, and they were always advancing liberty forward in the state legislature. And meanwhile, if I got on a call that was full of libertarians and talked about what we were doing in Tallahassee, I would get the... No, no kidding around. There was a person, and I'll, I'll leave... A, I'll leave his name, you know, I'll leave him anonymous, Mike Kane. Um, <laughs> that literally on the call, he said, well, you should just tell him that we want to be free. And that was it. Like when I would explain, like we're going down this bill and this bill and this bill and this bill, the, the response wasn't even, 
anything about the bills that were going on. It was like, well, you should just told that we want to be free. Because that's what a kindergartner says. Right. And that's not that's not a real argument for anything. Yeah. It's not. It's. It, I mean, yeah. Yes, we all want to be free. And I get that. Like, the reason that we do this show is because we all want to be free. But that's not. That's an argument that, that's going to get you laughed out of any room that you're in. Yeah. It's like going up there calling them all communists. Like, what are you, what, right. what are you going to accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at Absolutely all. Absolutely nothing. I mean, we have a severe deficiency in what people even understand as, as to what liberty and freedom means and how it, how it applies to our current mess that we're in as a society. Because we're in a huge mess as a society, um, at least when it comes to our politics. But, like, I, I had enough. And so I was like, you know what? It was either join the RLC or get out of politics altogether. It right. was really like there was it was two roads. It was like either get out of politics. And, and I did swear off in the as soon as 2016 ended, the one thing I was going to not do anymore was get involved in candidates and campaigns. Right. I was just going to deal on the policy side because that's where actually where I found, you know, uh, that's where I found the most enjoyment at. Found like the most impact was in the policy side. Um, then Bob's yep. campaign. And, and then you started running a, a campaign. Somebody asked me, though. I didn't go solicit this. Right. No, I get you it. Know? I get it. <laughs> and, but then they hired me on as the RL for the executive director, which means I totally changed what my plans were and went down that road. And I'm glad I did. Like, I'm not I'm not upset about it. I'm very happy I, I did. I'm very happy to, 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 was very happy to be involved in Bob's campaign. And I'm happy to see the good things about the RLC and the things that need to be improved within the RLC. Like I, I see that, but I also, the other thing that I noticed within the RLC that I never really felt like I noticed in the LP was a, an actual path to victory. Right. Like if you look at, like if you look at the, the past elections as they went down in this, in the primaries in 2016, the RLC had endorsed like 17 or like, I'm sorry, like 21 candidates for office. 17 of those 21 candidates actually won. Like, And if you look around in the GOP, I think that there's 100 elected officials in Florida, if you take every level of government, by the way. So you got to take state, local. Like there's 18,000 elected positions. Right. And I think that there's 100 Republicans that are really libertarians. Like not, not tip of the spear... You know, taxation is theft, libertarians, <laughs> but they're within the they're in the quadrant. Right, they're they're in that lower that lower right quadrant. Yeah, they're they're in the quadrant. They're right. not they're not all the way there, but they're in the quadrant. And and you know what the problem? Not the problem, but the the the, the goal of the RLC is is how do we bring those people together along with the voters in the the Republican Party voters. That are along the same lines. And look, because if you look at how these guys get elected, the Republicans get elected talking like libertarians. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Some of them don't. And when it comes to immigration, of course, there's a lot of separation there. When it comes to the drug war, there's still some separation there, especially within the uh, the elected officials up top. Is that they're, you know, it's still one of those things where if you talk to a lot of them privately, they'll tell you they're for legalization. But they never really take a stand on it, right? Publicly. But they can't say that publicly. Yeah, so it's still one of those things where it's almost like the other woman kind of thing. Um, and the immigration thing, we do have some, we do have a, a a definite difference of opinion with mainline Republicans as far as immigration goes. It, there is no doubt that is absolutely an issue that needs to be um, discussed and talked about. But at the same time, if you go back even to, like, if you go back even to Reagan. 
Reagan was definitely more along the lines of, you know, libertarian thought when it comes to immigration than yes. what you are currently seeing out of... 100%. Yeah. If you look at the debate between, I think it was the 1980 uh, primary debate. With, him and Bush. Yeah, it was him, Bush. Wasn't there... I think there was somebody else there. The video that I saw only showed those two on the stage. Okay. But what they were saying was very libertarian in their in 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 their ideal ideologies on uh, immigration, and you just go forward even to two thousand, just twenty years later, it is a hundred percent different. They switch so fast. Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. Well, because they never really fixed the problem. Right. Let me equate the immigration thing though to. Again, it was a story that I heard is that at one point, long, long time ago, is that the people that the English people that were around the world were considered pirates. Like it was it was, a, you know, lawlessness and piracy and all this other kind of stuff is that the people in England, you know, that were all these people out there, you know, the the, the people, the sea people were out there all talking about how or they were mad at these people because they were always breaking all the rules and breaking all the laws and they consider them all pirates, basically. However. Once they actually changed their own rules and got rid of some victimless crime stuff, you know, the stuff that wasn't, that shouldn't have been illegal to begin with. I'm not talking about infringing on the rights of another or killing people or, you know, or slavery or anything else like that. As soon as they changed the rules, then the outlook of those people also changed as well. And they looked like they were much more honorable people than they were pirates. Right. And the reason was, is because the, 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 the term illegal has such a visceral connotation with so much of the public because if it's illegal, it should be illegal. It's got to be illegal for a reason. So there's got to be a reason why these people are doing something illegal. They must be bad people in order to do that. But it's only because the law says it's illegal. How does that equate to immigration? Well, right now, it's just so damn hard to get into this country legally. And it's so easy to get into this country illegally. Illegally. Because if you ask a lot, and you know, because look, the term racist always gets put on the Republicans. And while, look, I think every political organization has some people in it that are racist. I don't care what party that that goes along with. There's Because in society, there's racist people. Right. There's, there's, it's bipartisan. It, it's 100% bipartisan. Um, but with the immigration thing, I've got a friend um, from England. He's an English guy. Uh, and he has been living here for 15 years, and he's been living here for 15... I'm going to try to make sure I get this story right. I've heard it so many times, I, it's kind of melded together. Like, uh, but Was Kavanaugh there? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, um... <laughs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, uh... He, he's been living here for 15 years. He got married after he had been living here for like five or six years. He already had his visa or whatever, his permanent residency or something like that. And then he got married and then he and his wife split and she won't, she hasn't granted him the divorce yet, even though it's been like three or four years and he can't apply for permanent residency again until the divorce has been granted. But so now he's gotten the notice that because they aren't technically together, and he hasn't reapplied for permanent residency, he has to go. Ah, oh, damn. And he's been living here for 15 years, and he's, uh, I think he's like 32. 
So he's been here since he was like 14. So he's like, if you send me back, I don't have anything there. I know nobody there. Yeah, what are you going to do? Right. He's like, I don't know how to, how anything works over there. Like, all I have from England is my accent. Yeah. Right. And He still does have the accent, though. Well, he, at least he has that. He does. He still has that. It works wonders for him. Um, oh, totally works wonders for yeah, him. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so, I mean, there's a GoFundMe out there because he can't afford the legal fees that are necessary for him to get everything done so there's a gofundme that he's doing uh to try to get enough money to do it and it, it's just been like i've seen it on like i've seen the stress on him like there's no reason he needs to leave yeah. he, he has been here working consistently maybe not for 15 years since i don't know exactly how old he is but at least for 13 of them yeah and He's been a contributing member of American society for 13 years. There's zero We're reason. Paying taxes. Paying taxes, thing. doing everything. I mean, taxation is still theft, but he's still paying the tax. Right. And he can't vote. So, I mean, he doesn't even have a choice on who gets in there. Yeah. I, I just, like I said, I think that what we really need to do is to just streamline the laws, really go back to an Ellis Island approach, and let people come here. And let them come here, let, let, just make it easier for people to come here. And I think if you do that, then what happens is is that those people that are upset because people are here illegally aren't going to be mad at those people because in their minds, well, they you know they went through the proper channels, they did the proper things. I'm not against that. Right. It's it, it's that the second you put that term illegal on it, it puts that connotation there. And yeah. I think that you we need to I mean, we have to change that. But and it's a lot easier said than done. Look, I mean, you know, we can sit here on a radio show and talk about how we can change it. But, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done there. That's why I prefer doing the radio show because I don't actually have to back it up. No, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, though, but that was the, the about the RLC thing is that I do think that you have the ability within the Republican Party to actually move this party much more towards in line with liberty and freedom. And if you look at the last election that just happened, the last primaries that just happened, they talked about how this was historical turnout for primaries. Do you happen to know what the actual percentage was of the Republicans that voted in the primaries? If you want to take a guess. If I had to take a guess? If you took a guess, like guess what the number you think was is the registered Republicans, what percentage of them actually voted in the primary? Um, if I had to take a guess, uh, 38%. Damn, you're good. Damn, you're good. 35. 35. I mean, it's close. I I was going to say 35, but I was like, that's way too on the nose of a number. So Yeah, I was like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't exactly 35%, but it was about 35%. Yeah. So that's the, but, so if you take 10 registered Republicans, three and a half of them voted. That means that six and a half of them didn't even vote. Right. Like they didn't even vote. I would argue that the RLC's base is a mixture between those people that did vote and those people that didn't vote, but just to give just to give an idea of how like where's the bar at for for success basically, if you take the bar in the Republican Party for what success within a primary, it means you would have to get if you got twenty percent of the registered Republicans to vote for your candidate in a primary election, you win. Yes, that's two out of ten of the registered Republicans. Technically, it's one out of ten of all the voters in, entirely. But two out of ten of the registered Republicans, you'd have won every primary in the state, and it wouldn't even have been. It'd have been like, oh, he blew them. They blew them out. It was amazing what happened. They blew them out. That's yeah. what victory is. That yeah, hundred percent. And with with the liberty movement inside the Republican Party, you've got Eric Brakey up in Maine. Yeah. Um, Kevin. Oh, I forgot Kevin's last name. 
I've got a man crush on that guy, and I forgot his last name. Uh, from Virginia, he lost. He lost his primary. Oh, I totally have a man crush on that guy too. Um, I think every guy has a man crush on that guy. Nick Friedis. Is Nick, Friedis. Nick Friedis. I don't know why I was saying Kevin. Now he didn't yeah. win that primary, but he, he did really, really good though. He did really, a really good speaker. By the way, he is he, one of the best speakers I've ever he's seen. He's very well articulated, by the way. And I'm saying that about a white person, just for the record. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying that about a cracker, man. He's, he. He speaks the message very, very well. He is so good. Matt Gertler in Matt Georgia. Gertler. I like Matt a lot. Yeah, Matt. Now Matt Caldwell's actually a member of the RLC. That's that's that for ad commissioner. Yes, and he's a member of the RLC. Yeah. Um. So you have a lot of them. Yeah, Matt. I met Matt uh, with you actually, in Tampa. In Tampa, mm-hmm. and uh, that he was a really nice guy. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Matt's good people. I was there for years. I was personally upset to see that Matt and I lost his primary. Yeah, but that sucked. That, that did sucked. suck, but I mean... I mean, kudos to YL for what they could do, man, but, you know, after finding out with Matt Nye's campaign, because, uh, hold on, because there's a lot of things we just talked about. There is this group or organization called YL, Young Americans for Liberty, and right. they're doing this get out the or this door-to-door, win-at-the-door campaign. Win-at-the-door. Win they're winning, like, they've won 21 races so far this year, and Matt, but what they do is they take 10 college kids, 10 college adults, whatever you want to call them, but they take 10 college adults and they have them go and knock on doors for an entire month before the election. Now, I will say this. When it came to Matt's race, there was a combination of things that ended up costing him. One of them was that I think by the way that they're – like I think with other states, every state's different. Like every state's different as when you need to go out and, and knock on doors and when it's the most effective. And I think YAL was about two weeks behind the window. Right. Because absentees started dropping in the middle of their walk-in. They wouldn't need to be finished with the first round of walking after the two weeks after the absentees dropped. So I think that had a little bit to do with it. Also, in Florida, there's a lot of gated communities where you can't get into. You can't knock those doors. So I think that the combination of those two things, you know, ended up costing, ended up costing Matt on that one. Um, but it wasn't lack of effort. I mean, and YL is doing a great job. I think yeah. they're going to get involved in a lot more races here in Florida. There was a couple of the races that were kind of like the one up in District One with Rebecca Bidlack against Mike Hill. Right? You know, Bidlack was a was a good Liberty candidate, but you know she lost by like five hundred votes. But that has a lot to do with the fact that Mike Hill was just about the dirtiest player. I mean, he was basically lying and being very sexist. I mean, I hate to say that, but he's being very sexist and being very bigoted. In what he and the way he was doing it, because he was just like, whatever it takes to win is what he's going to do, and right. that's what he did. I mean, look, and the RLC as an organization actually endorsed Mike Hill the prior election cycle, like the last time he ran for something. We actually, the RLC actually endorsed him because he's good on the issues. But when you run that dishonorable of a campaign, like I don't care what happens after this, like my we have to find somebody to replace that guy because you just can't, like. Like, to publicly call out a mosh for things that he had nothing to do with and to lie about him. And, and then to say, well, he's just a Pakistani or or, or he's a Palestinian or whatever. Right. It's like, so I mean, when you got Carl, you have Carl Rove who said that Justin Amash was the most dangerous man in, most dangerous Republican in Congress. Mm-hmm. And, every, and it's because of his liberty-sided mind mm-hmm. on everything. He's the new doctor now? Yeah, he's the new doctor now. And uh, so you got Carl Rove saying that, and uh, Kane was just doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was just, oh, he's just a Pakistani who hates America, kind of a, like, yeah. if I remember that statement correctly, because I was like, this, in my mind, that should have just sealed it for Rebecca. 
Yeah, but you know what though? I th- it, it, I don't think that happened after the election was over with. Did it? Yeah, yeah. The, the the that thing happened afterwards. The stuff he was doing before was basically like, you know, she doesn't have any kids, so if she, you know, what's you know, and basically was saying something bad about her for not having kids, saying that she's like Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi. It's like, look, Bidlack was so far removed from any of that stuff. Yeah, you know, to say that she had any kind of she's bad on guns when she was A-rated by the NRA. Right. Like, it just blatant lies and just stupidity blatant lies. And it was, you know. And that, I mean, that's kind of the same thing that happened with Freitas is, like, there were a lot of lies going around about Freitas, even though Freitas was by far the better candidate than Corey Stewart. Oh, yeah. Corey Stewart's horrible. Corey Stewart is awful. Yeah. And, like, my parents are from Virginia. And after that election happened cuz it was it was razor thin oh yeah it was super close i i don't think it was 500 votes close but it was a statewide so i think it was like percentage wise it was probably around the same kind of percentage as the right. 500 up there though exactly and i didn't call my dad for weeks afterwards cuz i didn't i knew i was going to ask the question but you didn't want to i didn't want to i did not want to i do that sometimes yeah i, was, I do that sometimes like, and he was like oh i haven't talked to you in a while i was like yeah look i just got to get it out of the way Who'd you vote for? And he was like, the Trump guy. I was like, God. <laughs> he's like, I'm certain he's a nice guy. I was like, he's a super nice guy, Dad. Like, if you'd listen to the two, it would make the choice so clear. So easy. Why? And look, and this is the other, you know, here's the other thing that we that should be discussed as well when you talk about whether, whether if you want to advance liberty through the GOP, if you want to do it in the LP, if you want to do it through, through either one. When I say that I would rather do it to the GOP than the LP, it doesn't say that there's not people within the GOP that want to, that, that, there's people there that don't want us to succeed that are actively going to campaign against us. It's not all of them. It's a portion of them. Right. And that's the, and the thing is this, a lot of times the, the, when you hear the arguments made, the argument will be made that, well, you know, the GOP hates libertarians. They hate them. Eh, it's not really true. There is definitely a percentage of there the people are, in there that do hate them. There are some. But you know what, though? They don't represent the majority. They just don't. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. They don't rep. Look, <laughs> go back to the 35% thing. The base that's picking these candidates is 35%. Are you going to tell me that out of all of the, out of the 100% of the people that are Republicans, that you're not going to find a 20% block that are libertarians? And if they were all actually voting, that those guys, their, their candidates would win elections? And again, it's our job or my job, I guess, as the executive director for the RLC, to put that to put that coalition together and get them to start voting for liberty-minded Republicans. Exactly. And, I mean, yeah, like uh, Cliff Maloney says that, you know, they've, they've endorsed libertarians, they've endorsed Republicans, and they would endorse a Democrat if one of them would meet their standards. Yeah, like, right. YL is definitely a, a principle above party organization. Yep. And, they, and, and truth be told, truth be told, the RLC is a partisan organization. There's no getting around that. They are a partisan Republican organization. I think that would make them lose their 501c3. Well, they're 527, but yeah. Oh, they're 527. Well, no, no, they would lose. Here's the thing is that they're, they chartered themselves to work within the Republican Party. But, you know, here's the thing, though. The Libertarian Party is a partisan organization. Why yeah. nonpartisan works out well, best candidate wins. It's why... It's a, in a weird way. It's why I really do support Young Americans for Liberty. Like I think it's a phenomenal organization. It really is. You know, and they do good work, and they don't care. They don't care what party somebody is. They look at viability, and they look at you know, can you win the race? But 
this is where and this is where a lot of libertarians get mad at YAL is because you know if you just say hey I'm going to run for office and you're not going to put in the work well they're not going to support you right they're not supporting you because you're a libertarian they're not supporting you because you're a, you're dumb because you're not putting in the work because you're lazy yeah you know you bore me if you're not willing to go out and knock doors they're probably not going to work for you yeah yeah and if you're not going to raise and if you're not going to raise money right you know because they don't have campaign yard sign trees and campaign material trees that just grow where you could just, you know, pick the materials off of there and go with it. You gotta raise money. You have to raise significant money. Good amount of money, yeah. But it's not impossible to do either. It's mm. it's really not. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a lack the lack of funding for the liberty movement is 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 definitely a problem. It's getting better it's getting, somewhat. It's getting a lot better. But it, it's still got a long ways to go. Right. But it's it's getting better though. So I gotta, you know, I gotta and we look. Some of it's our own fault, though. Like some of these, too many people don't know how to raise money, and myself included. I mean, I do. A, if I can commit to it, and I just sit there and can commit to doing the fundraising activity, I can do very, very well. If I don't, if, you know, but but I have a lot of other things that I have to do as well. So you got to keep a lot of these different things running. What I would love to see is people that are get involved in the liberty movement, and yet only are going to deal with how of raising the money for it. Like that would be if there's one thing we could I wish we could get more people to do, it would be to just harness that ability to raise money for all the different things going on. And it's hard to do and it's really kind of it's a little dehumanizing and it's a little, you know, like, you know, people don't want to just sit there on the phone and, and ask for money all day long, but in all reality it's what's totally that's needed. Yeah, that's and if you had that, then you wouldn't have to worry about a lot of the rest. Right. And that's that's the basic thing is while getting on the phone and just asking, hey, uh, do you have money? That's what's needed, but it's also one of the hardest things to do. Oh, yeah. Which, Especially I mean, it, you stay committed on it. Yeah, and it, it takes a person with a certain lack of shame to be able to be good at it. Yeah, that's unfortunate, too, because I and even the stigma on it is so ingrained in society, even though it, it shouldn't be, because in all reality, look, if you're going to ask somebody to spend money on something... You know, their own personal liberty and freedom and to be living a more free society. I mean, what else would be a better investment of your money than that? But the people that have a lot of money, though, they want to make sure that. And this is where you run into the problem of, you know, look, the system that has been created that this country is governed by now is predicated on. There's a you know, there's so much money going into the government that there's a lot of people that make all their bank off of this. And that means that they rule the system. So you can't just like. The people we're fighting against have provided for their families with this system. And as corrupt and as evil as we all would, or many of us would agree that it is, it doesn't change the fact that we're going to be putting a lot of people and taking a lot of their money away. Well, you think they're not going to fight for that? Like, you think they're not going to get mad at what we're trying to do? Call us names, say we're crazy, do all this other stuff that they do? It's predictable. I thought so. I thought it was funny because uh, this past week, with everything that's been going on in the news, which we'll get to eventually, um, I saw two memes from two people that I'm friends with on Facebook. Both of them from either side of the aisle. From the guy that was a Republican, he was like, "Diane Feinstein makes one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a year, or whatever it is. She uh, she has seventy-one million dollars in the bank." And mm-hmm. I'm making these numbers up at this point, but you're they're probably pretty close. Yeah, and. Uh, how is that possible? We need to reelect. Uh, you know, we need to get new people in there. And then the person from the left, 
had a picture of Paul Ryan. He's like, Paul Ryan makes one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a year. He's got ninety-two million dollars in the bank or whatever it is. And you know, how is this possible? I was just like, I mean, I agree with both of these. One hundred percent. Paul Ryan's a really bad example since he's not running for re-election. You should probably pick somebody who's going to be there next year. Mm-hmm. But still, I get it. I get what you're saying. But you would not share the Diane Feinstein one. Why are you sharing the Paul Ryan one? Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is this, is that the re- the way that both of these people, at the end of the day, got their money is because they had insider access. Yep. They had the ability to, to maneuver and make decisions, and they were able to profit off of the decisions that they were made. If you didn't have a big, huge government that was writing all these different contracts to all these different organizations... Neither one of them would have gotten that far, nope. which is why both Paul Ryan and Diane Feinstein will stand on the graves of children and ex-military and, and veterans and all this other stuff and of poor people and old people and colored people and, and all this stuff. They will stand on every one of those graves to keep their gravy train running because 100%. at the end of the day, they don't care, they care about the color green and that's it. Right. Which is why we should have a limited government. But that's, you know, not to take it all the way back to that, but, you know, it's also why, you know, the people aren't just knocking over the doors to give us money to go out and do stuff because we're trying to take stuff away. Right. Exactly. But speaking of Feinstein. Speaking of the finer. Speaking of Feinstein. Good old Diane Feinstein. She, uh, she is the reason that Kavanaugh. Uh, she's not the reason, Kavanaugh. I'm not going to say that. Uh, she. She is the catalyst on why Kavanaugh is now being delayed on his hearing. Yes. Because she... Yes. Yes. Purposely. Yes. 100% purposely. Because she got she got this letter back in June, I believe. Mm-hmm. Back in June. And she didn't release it until a week before he was going to be uh, confirmed. Mm-hmm. Which 100%, you know, that's just... That was a tactic. Yeah. This yeah this Brett Kavanaugh thing with Dianne Feinstein is to- was totally done for political purposes. Now, I will say this. No one knows exactly what happened because nobody was there. Nobody was other there. Other than, you know, the, the, there's three people that claim that, that, that the woman is claiming to have been there herself, Kavanaugh, and this other guy, Judge. Mark Judge, yeah. Now, Judge Mike, and... I called him Mike Judge. Was on, it Mike Judge? It's oh, Mark, Mark. Mark Judge? It's, I called him Mike Judge on our last show. Uh, oh. And oops. then afterwards, I had to put it, like, in the comments on YouTube, I was like... Uh, edit. His name's Mark, not Mike. <laughs> He's not the creator of King of the Hill. Don't quote me on that. Who would that have been, though? I know, right? That would have been awesome. But uh, <laughs> you see, like a King of the Hill episode with this, though, right? Great. <laughs> but so, yeah, three people were there. Mark Judge is saying that it never happened. Mm-hmm. Kavanaugh is saying it never happened, and Professor Ford is saying it did happen. Of course, that Kavanaugh is going to say it didn't happen. Hundred percent. Yeah. Mark Judge, he and Kavanaugh have been friends since probably before that incident allegedly took place. He's probably not going to say it ever happened. Yeah. So you, you're never going to know. No, you're, ne- you're never going to know. But that, but that also means that in order to determine whether it should be something credible or not credible, you have to look at everything else that goes along with it. Now... The delay in the tactics that, that that Feinstein used, that the congresswoman used, you can't blame Ford per se for that. I don't. Okay, but so you can partly blame her for that. I don't blame Ford for that. Like the June to, uh, to September, you can kind of blame her for that though, 
Here's the thing. Okay. Then be public and go into the media right off the bat. Like, she has to. She, she's like, I have a concern with this guy, but I don't want you to use my name. You should have just, either you're going to come out all the way, which is what ended up happening anyway, or just don't say anything. Right. So I think that the fact that she was, that she put out it anonymously, or not anonymously, but she didn't want her name to be used, and yet she still brought it up. I do think that's partly her fault as to why the optics look bad on this. And the way that I see it is he, you know, he worked in the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. He's been a federal judge for 12 years or something yeah. like that. Like, and according to her husband, uh, he said that she was concerned that the person that did this to her would one day become a Supreme Court justice. Back in 2012. That's a lot of foresight, by the way. I mean, great foresight. Good for her. Um, I got some, wait, can you pick me some lotto numbers? Right. And if that was something that you were concerned about, if that was something that you thought back in 2012, why wasn't it something you brought up in 2012 when he was going through the federal process then? He was an appeals judge before. He was. I mean, he was already a judge. It's not like... It's not like this guy went from no job to being a ju- being the Supreme Court justice. He was a judge that went through an FBI investigation multiple times. And if you're looking for a guy to go for from no job to Supreme Court justice, I'm free. I got nothing. You gonna do it? I, Think I, about doing it. I'd do it. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, there's some stuff in the past, but I'll openly admit to all of it. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's just, and then now I will say this is that. Look, I, th- I definitely think you have to feel for anybody that puts out a claim like this. But you also have to come with the facts, though. And it just seems like the facts in this case are real, real sketchy. They're real fun. Like, they're like, someday during some year at some place, you know, this incident happened. Well, look, how can how can Kavanaugh... And I, look, the thing is this, this is... I know we talked about this being later thought of the episode... Like, I don't even really like Kavanaugh. Like, I don't really, like, I don't like him on the Fourth Amendment stuff. I don't really like like him on those stuff. But at the same time, I think that, hey, look, Trump's allowed to pick who he wants to pick. This is what happened. You know, this is the the unfortunate part of, you know, if you win the election, elections have consequences. This is one of them. I don't think that the left should be this mad about Kavanaugh, considering that I think he's actually kind of a blasé establishment guy. He's not, you know, he's not this... He's not overturning Roe v. Wade. And for them to make this all about Roe v. Wade just which, is so stupid. Which is so much what, like, they're like, oh, he's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And then they're, really? they're uh, Occupy Democrats is misquoting him, uh, is misquoting him in some of their memes, which I know that comes as a shock to anybody listening that Occupy Democrats would misquote somebody. But they were talking about how he, what did he, he said that uh, birth control was forced abortions or medical, like, Something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what he said, uh, what they said he said. But what he, what they were talking, he was referencing a case with the Catholic Church. Yeah. And he was referencing what they were saying, and then Occupy Democrats pulled those and were like, well, he said these out loud, so that's what he obviously believes. And I'm like, stop spreading the lies about, stop yeah. spreading the lies. Just go with, if you want to hit Kavanaugh, hit him on the Fourth Amendment. Hit him on the spying. Hit him on the listening. Hit him on the surveillance. Because you can't deny those. Yeah. I mean, you can have an argument about those things. But, I mean, yeah. And this is the problem with Trump, though. This is the problem with this is the problem with the media and their reporting of Trump. Is that they will not... They have to, they have to set themselves to a higher standard, even though even if the president doesn't, 
They have to set their their integrity up at a higher standard and just report the facts. Right. Which is why you know you you'll see people like I didn't vote for Trump. I did right. not vote for. I voted for Gary Johnson. So did I. Even if look, even if it was me holding my nose voting for Gary Johnson, I still voted for Gary Johnson. But you have to be honest and upfront about <laughs> about Trump. You, you voted for the worst of four evils. Yeah, I felt like that at that. By the end, the best of four years. Like not even, like not even, like I, I still didn't even disagree with them on some policy stuff. I think where where I was really mad with Gary, I had way more to do with, and not to go on the tangent, it had way more to do with that they just didn't run a good campaign. They didn't. Like, they campaign ran a horrible campaign. That campaign was so bad. You know, and I know there's people that made a lot of money off of Johnson's campaign. And it irks me to this day to know that I know some of the people who were horrible that made money. Don't get me wrong. Look, I, I, I'm all for somebody making money. But, man, to screw the pooch that bad and get paid for it, oh, my God. Yeah, that was that was one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen for president by far. Yeah, he should have stayed on the weed. Yeah. God, I think the one big thing we could go back with and say, like, you should have kept smoking. Yeah. Because then it probably would have been, he wouldn't have stuck his tongue out on national TV for Pete's <laughs> sake. What are you doing? They're making me bite my tongue. Yeah, but, but back, to, but back yeah, to the yeah. Kavanaugh thing. So look, I, look, I, I, at this point though, and this is, and this is what happens. At this point, I hope. Look, give that woman. I think now she is going to testify, even though that's not for sure. Yeah. So, but did, vote on this thing and go get it over with. Did you Did you hear the demands that they had? For oh yeah. She had to testify after Kavanaugh. That doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. I have been involved in my fair share of trials. It never works that way. Never. It, it, it never. No. And, and that's don't. and that was the part that I was like like okay, yeah, she wanted to push it back. I under I understood the political move behind that. Yeah. But right? that is a political move though. hundred percent. She had all time in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. Her not wanting to, the reason that she couldn't get there before Thursday or whatever is because she doesn't like to be in confined spaces, which I think possibly is just them trying to push this whole narrative mm-hmm. of the confined thing. Uh, and that she has to drive, which I think a car is a more confined space than a plane personally, but that's just me. Um, so she has to drive from California to D.C. Oof. So that's why she couldn't make it in yeah. under before Thursday or Whatever her I like excuse- to check her past to see about any plane rides before this. Though. Yeah, exactly. Um, which you know, there's got to be one. There's oh yeah, gotta, of course, be one. Um, so she these, can't be in the room with him. She can't. Be she in doesn't the want their attorneys to question him or to or, question her. Yeah, and it couldn't be any of the male senators questioning her. Yeah, it's just so much. Like again, this is where they take they take people's good nature and they well, you give them an inch and they take five miles yep. and then the second you complain about any of that stuff all of a sudden you hate women and it's like how about we want to treat people equally if this was a dude if it was look if if Brett Kavanaugh was Bridget Kavanaugh you know and do, and this doctor was a dude that was claiming that this woman jumped on him and did this you know so many years ago right and and he wanted his day to testify but she had to go first and this and this and they were to cave on that stuff then all those people would be pro man and they would hate women yep you know because it's not about equality it's about it's about I get special treatment because I'm part of this group of people that has been wronged over the years it's not ever about equality anymore I think this is another thing that really pisses me off when it comes to equality, I agree with them. I think we should treat everyone equally. Yes, we need to treat everyone equally. The problem is we don't treat everyone. It has become so partisan that 
that the left and the right both are guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but you know, like Bill Clinton has numerous, numerous accusers on him that the right just openly is like, yes, that Bill Clinton's an awful guy, which I agree with. I think yeah. he's an awful guy, and the left is no, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. He's Bill. That's mm-hmm. fine. He's just he's Bill being Bill. Brett, oh no, this happened 36 years ago. Obviously, this is true. He should not hold this play, this uh, this seat. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh god, what's that guy's name? You talking about Roy Moore? Not Roy Moore, but that's a good one too. Uh, the Democrat, he's in on Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Keith Ellison. So you have Keith Ellison who allegedly beat the ever-living crap out of his girlfriend, who is mm-hmm. the vice chair of the DNC, I believe. Something along those lines. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a bad situation. Yeah, it's a bad situation. And now the, the Democrats are going after her, saying that she needs to be quiet. She needs to stop. She needs to. Where, where is this equality that you're looking for? Like, you're willing to listen to this accusation from 36 years ago. And say, oh, no, this has to be true. But to this girl who, this woman, she's not a girl, to this woman who is the vice the vice chair, whatever she is, of the DNC, on your own party, mm-hmm. saying that somebody in the party, there are police reports backing it up. And mm-hmm. you're like, no, let's not even look into it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's not equality. And the Republicans with Roy Moore, like, yeah, I think Roy Moore probably is a pedophile. Oh, he did, he did that. Here's the thing. There was way too many accusations. There was way too much corroborating evidence. There was way too much for... for like, there was no defense for Roy Moore, really, at the end of the day. Mm-mm. But the problem is, and this is where the problem, where the problem comes into play, if you have one side that will not be honorable when it comes to these accusations and will treat it as a double standard where if it's our guy, we're going to protect it, but if it's their guy, we're going to not protect it. We're right. going to we're going to expose it and stuff. Then it's almost natural that you will see the other side do the same thing because in their minds, they're thinking that this side is trying to take advantage, you know, because we, you know, the Republicans are supposed to have morals, right? Well, if they're supposed to have morals, then this person here is, you know, not, mo- not you know, not, not a moral person. So why are you supporting them? Look, Roy Moore should have been replaced. Should have been. They should have convinced that guy to get out. Now he, by that point that they all this stuff came out, it was a little bit too late. But at the same time, it didn't matter. Like you, this is a bad guy. Like all this stuff came out, and to defend it is horrible. Now the difference is with it, with Kavanaugh and him. This is one instant that someone's making an allegation that right. really has no backup for this. And there is no other incident in his entire career that you can point to. So you're talking about a high school kegger, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else. Every other person says nice things about it. And, I mean, the stories about that high school kegger are so different. Like, I've I've read there were only four guys there, which greatest kegger ever. Um, Yeah, it's a sucky kegger. Or greatest. I mean, it depends on how many women are there. That's true. Okay, okay, I hear what you're saying. Okay, right. good point. Yeah, my bad. I wasn't taking that angle. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's you know there were only four guys there. So and so initially, I think it got mixed up and it got reported that four guys did this and he was one of them. But yeah. then it was like, oh no, there were four guys at the kegger, and then I was like, okay, well, there's only four guys at the kegger, which doesn't make sense anyway because if it's a kegger in high school, more than four guys are showing up. Exactly. And then it was like. Uh, 
Oh crap! What was the next part I was going to say? There was uh, the. I totally forgot. That went. It was right. a pool party. Yeah, it was a pool. It was a pool party. She went upstairs to the bathroom, and then she got turned. You know, they pulled her in there, but they didn't even actually. And the other thing is, this they, like, there's no allegation of actual rape. It was, it was, a, it was sexual assault. Right. So like they, they they didn't you know as far as they're concerned they didn't complete the task in which they were trying to to do and I, there's just so many holes in the story there's so many holes in the story I mean so many she couldn't remember when it was where it was or even what year it was or what or what year it was or who was it, who the other people were and then mm-hmm. it was like oh I think it was so and so and she she just uh, named somebody else that was there. Oh, did she really? She referenced okay. him as PJ, and I don't remember PJ's name uh, off the top of my head because I didn't know how deep in this rabbit hole we were going to go. Otherwise, I would have looked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I read his statement afterwards, and he said, no, that never happened. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are saying this never happened. And, yeah. and even the people that are saying, oh, I remember hearing about it, they take that stuff down they, right away. Yeah, they take, they've all taken it back. Yeah. They, so I, I just, look, I hope that, I hope this doesn't, I don't even know how you can get the truth to come out of this one. I just hope I don't think it's I don't think it sounds credible. And you know what? If you're going to come forward with an allegation like this, you better come up with proof of it, and you better not get offended if somebody asks you for the proof. Like that's the other thing I think really annoys me. If anybody has any questions about this, then they almost get like, "Well, then you hate women." Right? Like, no, I I hate liars. I yeah, I don't. I I love women. Yeah. My my track record proves I love women, <laughs> but I do I hate liars. I hate it when people, especially somebody who's attempting to defame somebody, ruin a career, ruin the rest of a life, mm-hmm. just for political purposes. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's just because he got nominated by Trump, and they just hate Donald Trump. It's, right. And again, Trump derangement syndrome is a thing. And it honestly, it happens on both sides. It goes both ways. No, it does. And it's the same thing that happened with Obama. Look, Obama was, there were people that loved Obama and he could do no wrong. And there were people that hated Obama and he could do no right. right. Is, that, is that it happens both ways. And I wish we would get to a place to where you call out the crap for the crap that it is. And you attaboy the stuff that needs to be attaboy. You give praise where it's due and you give criticism where it's due. Yeah. You know, I think if you were to do that more often, we'd have a much better We'd have a much better government, and we'd also have a much better grouping of politicians. Yes. Because right now, it's just whoever's, whoever can get through the sleaziest crap and gets elected. Right. And, I mean, with the with the media, they, they will never focus on the good stuff. No. They no. won't do it. Instead, they're focusing on two scoops of ice cream and Diet Cokes. And it's like, who cares if he gets two scoops of ice cream and a Diet Coke? Like, as opposed to one scoop for everybody else. Which, honestly... If I was in the White House and he only gave me one scoop of ice cream, I'd be like, Donald, what? Yeah. What? Oh, Why? Two scoop me. Yeah. You better just bring me the carton. Yeah. What are you? What are you, commie? Right. <laughs> two scoop me. You know? That's a bunch of crap. I want two scoops. I want two scoops. Matter of fact, I want a chocolate and a vanilla. I want swirl. Right. I want to be able to and swirl it myself. And actually throw a cherry on top of it. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, that's how I do it. Because feelings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I hope that if Kavanaugh hasn't done this, I hope that well, I don't hope he gets in because I don't really like the guy. But I hope this doesn't derail his future. Yeah, no, it's good. It, look, he's 
if you think about it, this is along the lines of Clarence Thomas. If you yeah. were to give a, a, a something that happened in the past, this is much more along the lines of Clarence Thomas. Yes. To where, look, the left always hates Clarence Thomas, but normal people don't really hold any ill will to Clarence Thomas. He's on the he is a Supreme Court, you know, justice. I think Kavanaugh is going to end up getting getting the nomination. I do too. I think by the end of next week he's probably or yeah. Well, probably not the end of next week, but the end of the week after that. Well, and the Demo- look, the Democrats want to delay as long as possible because they do want to derail this. Because in their minds, if they derail this long enough, they think they're going to take the Senate in the in, in the November, November elections. Right. So then they can pick the the nominee, and then you know, well, the, you know, Trump will put it out there. But then you know they are going to have a lot of control because they'll own all the committees and they can just turn down everyone at Trump's pick, which they might end up doing. Like they may, if they if they take control of the Senate, they may leave that spot open until the next election cycle. For the you know, hopefully they're hoping at that point that either a Democrat will get elected or that they'll be able to impeach Trump. Right. So you know they're hoping they're hoping for that, which is sad. But you know, it, you know, either way, I think Kavanaugh is going to get this thing. I think that they and I think they've massively overplayed their hand in this. I think that the, you're you you picked an issue that is going to rile up Republicans to go out and vote and to vote in mass. And I also think you are pissing off average Americans that are just sick and tired of seeing this stuff. Right. So I think that you're you're going to end up damaging your cause if your cause is the blue wave. Like, I think that you're... Look, if the woman had some credibility, it'd be one thing. But she just but she doesn't. doesn't. No. No. I think they're just trying to coattail... They're trying to... They're trying to use the blue wave to coattail on the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and I think that was a misstep. That was oh, a yeah. huge misstep. I think they're doing damage to the Me Too. I look, I, look, I think that look, I think that women shouldn't be sexually harassed. I don't think that I think that that's wrong, but at the same time, you have to call it when it's appropriate. And if it's not appropriate, then you shouldn't call it. And if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make this claim every time something happens, then. If if everything if everything's racism then nothing's racism right if that's uh, what happens essentially yeah but right now we live in a society where everything is racist well one yeah one side because de- we're gonna get into the governor's race yeah one side right. is definitely gonna claim that you know you know you're my best friend sister's boyfriend brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid who says you're racist right not to use a Ferris Bueller reference on there but I totally got that right by the way you did hundred <laughs> percent I was like wait a minute he's yep nailed it you got it <laughs> nailed it. Uh, God, I love that movie. That's, oh, that's a great movie. That is Dan Quayle's favorite movie. Is it really? It is. I did not know I had that in common with him. Yeah. I di- saw that in the movie theater. Did you really? Yeah. I was, everybody, like my whole family was going, they were going to go see Poltergeist was in, I forget which number Poltergeist, but Poltergeist was in the movie theater. And I really wasn't into those kind of movies. And so next door was this thing called Ferris Bueller's Day Off and I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is a great movie. It is a great movie. I I've seen movie. it hundreds of times since I, now. but I couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen that oh, movie. Love that movie. Love that movie. Cam- Cameron Fry is my <laughs> all-time favorite. When Cameron was in Egypt's <laughs> land, let my Cameron go. <laughs> See, and now we've upset Muhammad because we're two white guys singing about Egypt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're appropriate in that culture. I don't care. I don't care. It's fine. Um, <laughs> we so, sell you tanks. Right. <laughs> so let's get into the Florida politics. Uh, since you were you were the uh, camp uh, the campaign, campaign manager campaign for Bob manager White for Bob White. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say campaign chair, and I was like, that's not right. No, no, no. And, and uh, so and you know, DeSantis won the primary in the Republican side. He did, and I would say handily won it. 
which I was a little bit shocked at. I I was actually surprised by that percentage. Yeah, that was a big, big number. It was yeah. a lot different than in the dim side because I mean nobody look nobody picked Gillum to win. By the way, no, nobody picked Gillum to win. I did not think there was a chance of Gillum. No, I didn't think so either. Just I mean. And again, I don't think the Democrats actually did a good job of vetting their own candidates on this one. No. Because I think that because because none of the other candidates actually viewed Gillum as a threat, none of them actually went after Gillum. Because there's a lot to go after Gillum. There is on. so much to go after Gillum. Yeah, like there's a lot. And I'm, not, I'm not even talking about like the, the fact that he is a socialist. I'm not even going down that road. I'm talking like the work, you know, he's been mayor of Tallahassee. That's one the, the city with like the highest crime rate, the highest crime rate in Florida, and it, ex, it, it, it corruption. Expo- it exploded. The crime rate exploded while he's been mayor. Though. Yeah, yeah. He's you know he's you know he's. I mean, I guess you can't blame him for what people are doing, but he didn't help with the creating the conditions and the CRA stuff is real. That FBI investigation is real, and while they don't have him dead to rights yet, there's a whole lot of shady stuff going on with Gillum when it comes to those things. Like it's. It's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. So it, I was surprised that he was able to squeak through the through it. But now that's who we have. So we have Gillum mm-hmm. against DeSantis. Um, there are other candidates that are out there, but there is not one other candidate that is even remotely worth talking about. Right. And I mean, so I mean, Gillum versus DeSantis, it's Sanders versus Trump. That's what this is. Yeah. It's you've, sad. You've got Sanders back. Uh, you've got the Sanders back candidate, which is obviously Gillum, and then the Trump back candidate, which is obviously DeSantis. And everybody, everybody's saying, uh, a lot of the people on the left that I know, anyway, they're all saying that this is going to play out the way it would have played out if Trump fought Sanders or went against Sanders instead of Clinton. And my argument is, you don't know what would have happened. Yeah, that's... I, Wow, that's way too. I mean, like, I, I guess that's wishful thinking, but I think that's a lot of it is wishful yeah. thinking. And I'm like, you have no idea what would have happened. I don't think Sanders wins that race. Oh yeah, look, Gillum's going to have to come out with his look. He's already come out with policy positions, and those policy positions are are just stupid. I mean, they're just dumb. You're literally going to you're, <laughs> look. The reason that the left is going on race every time in this thing like well let's break down one of DeSantis's comments about monkeying this thing up is yeah. what he said look that wasn't racist that was not that racist. wasn't even close to racist that was a military term yeah 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 it was something that, look it's something that it, it's in some people's vernaculars about monkeying this thing up and it has nothing to do with black people it has to do with monkeys right don't monkey around don't monkey this up yeah yeah and here if you hear that and I will say this if you hear that and you think of black people, then you may need to question your own racism. Because when I heard him say it, it didn't sound racist to me. When I, when I heard, because I, w- I was watching that, and I heard him say it, and it just breezed right through me as though it was nothing. Which many people on, uh, many of the people who don't like me, which I'm finding out daily that there are more and more of them everywhere, uh, they would just say, that's because you're so ingrained to racism that... Oh, come it, on. Yeah. But I also know... That uh, the band The Monkees sang a song, and in the opening line says, we're just here to monkey around. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. And I don't think anybody has ever accused Davy Jones of being racist. Yeah. It, it's just, Mike Nesmith, maybe. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Like, Mike, to call, but now but now the blood's in the water on the racism thing. So now it's everything. everything. David Horowitz, you know, he, he did an event with David Horowitz, and David Horowitz is a racist, even though Horowitz isn't a racist. I mean, I don't like David Horowitz. He's a... 
neocon that I personally don't like or agree with on most things. Right. Only because he actually should be a communist. I mean, he should be in the Democrats, but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> Is that, you know, like, they're going back like, you know, his he was uh, the he was the admin on a page that b- had memes on it that were, you know, racist memes. Now, let's go. Let's go with the thing that, OK, there were racist memes in that page. Do you really think that Ron DeSantis is managing Facebook groups? Right. Like, do you really think that it was him and not somebody else? And that when they saw that, they weren't like, oh, my God, what are these people freaking doing? You know what I mean? And like, like. The thing is this, is that they use the six degrees of Kevin Bacon on Ron DeSantis. And they, but they won't use one degree when it comes to Gillum. But Gillum has, Gillum has been around people that if we're going to use the same standard that we're using for Ron DeSantis, then, <laughs> then Gillum hates Israel, hates Jews, you know, wants to see Sharia law. Like, if we're going to use that standard, then let's use it across the board this way. And again... I didn't vote for DeSantis in the primary. No. I would imagine I know who you voted for. <laughs> yes, I voted for Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Gillum's going on. He's saying he wants to get rid of all assault re- weapons. He wants to do an assault weapons ban. Yeah, assault weapons ban in Florida. Which would never happen. Even if he does get elected, it won't happen. And I think, has he come out and said that he wants an income tax in Florida? I haven't heard that one. Okay. I know he's talked about we need to raise more revenue and things like that. Right. But how he wants to do that, I don't think he wants to do it via a raising of actually trying to institute an income tax. Again, that would be impossible to do in the state of Florida as well. Yeah. You you would lose 100%. You say, oh, yeah. You're done. You're done. If you, you even try you're this, done. you're done. Yeah, yeah. You can't even try. Again, again the legislature would never go for this. No. Never no go for this. They would never go for this. And you need the legislature in order to get this done. He wants to increase taxes. He wants to increase corporate taxes. You know, and it's it's only a couple percentage points, but it does represent a large... It is a 40% tax increase, but it's not to go to 40%. It's just to go from... I think we're at six or five something and to go to five to seven or something like that along those lines. Like, it's not... You know, it's... And he wants to, he wants the $15 an hour thing. He wants to do that. Right, which is, which, stupid. which is stupid. That just puts people out of jobs. It keeps people out of jobs. Mm-hmm. It makes it impossible for the low-skilled workers to find jobs. It makes, like... The people who fight for the $15 for any minimum wage requirements, really, I I don't understand it because I'm like, do you think that that's just going to not – do you think that these people are just going to be able to find these jobs anyway? No, they're going to figure out different ways to do it, hence self-checkout lines and and the uh, self-checkout lines and the kiosks at McDonald's Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing, and they're moving towards that now. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I go to them every single time. If I have less than – 20 items at a grocery store, I go through the self-checkout line. Because, one, I don't have to talk to whatever slack jaws sitting on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to deal with that awkward conversation that I don't want to be a part of. And I, I, get, I get done faster. Yeah. yeah. I get done so much faster. Mm-hmm. So he supports, he, he's, he's all for that. He's very much anti-school choice. He very much wants to eliminate charter schools. Um, he doesn't want those. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know. He he views that as taking away the money from the government to educate the children. Is the way he looks at it. And DeSantis is a, much more of a school choice guy than um, than than uh, Gillum is. Gillum is very much like you know. They did this thing where you know he they talked about he's not a socialist. He's a totally he's completely a socialist. socialist. I mean, 
don't get me wrong. I think that my bar, or probably your bar, is definitely swayed a little bit different. As but he ain't a capitalist. I can tell you that right now. Like you know, yeah. he is he is somebody that wants to use the government to enrich himself and to enrich his buddies. Even though he's not very good at it, but he's trying. He's getting there. He's just hasn't he hasn't gotten a position that really has been able to get him you know way up there. But don't act like he's this every man just poor dude that's just I'm um, just happen to be the mayor of Tallahassee. That dude, you know, he's not poor. No. You know, don't get me wrong. Out of all the candidates that were running for Democrat, he was the poorest one, but every one of them was millionaires. Right. Yeah, he's definitely not a poor candidate. I and he's so winning right now. Too, right now, me. he's up in the he's up in the polls. No, like, like four points is the, the I think the the biggest north I've seen him is by four points. Is it? Yeah, it's the biggest I think I've seen. And I honestly think, I mean, I think DeSantis wins this race. I think so. I think so. So okay, because. Yeah, they've got Gillum up in the polls for governor, but they've got Rick Scott up in the polls for Senate. Yeah, it's either tied or up. It's tied or up, which is really weird. Which is weird, because who are they pull? Are they polling the same people on this? Because if not, who's voting for Gillum and Scott? <laughs> who the name, I- name ID means something, I guess. I don't know. That You're right, though. I, I, I don't know if they're doing this polls at the same time or if they're counting the same polls. But it's just, it's a, like, after 16, though, I can't even trust polls anymore, though. Oh, God, no. Like, even now, like, at least it gives you a gauge, and it's close. So, okay, I'll go with that. It's close, and there's a gauge. But there is no, like, there's not going to be any outside candidate that's going to be taken away from either one of these two. Like, there's only two really candidates to vote for in both races, whether it's Scott against Nelson right. or whether it's Gillum against DeSantis. It really does. There is no third party. And if you want to even use the word spoiler, I wouldn't use the word spoiler, but there is no third party candidate in this one. Not no. really. I mean, I mean, you've got the reform party candidate and you've got uh, the NPA guy. Now, here's the thing. I just and I just checked this earlier, just before we went on air. The, the other I'm not going to name the reform party candidate's name because he doesn't deserve it. But the the um, Bruce Nathan, who ran as a Republican, sneak, and I don't think this worked because I looked on there and it said that he still was a Republican and that he, it's, he lost in the primary. Right, which he did. But he tried, he, and he tried something because there is a loophole within the law because they did the Charlie Crist rule that says you can't switch parties, you know, you can't switch parties and then keep running. It has to be uh, one year and one day before an election, I believe. Correct. However... Going from Republican to MPA or Democrat to MPA is not party switching. So that is allowed. So technically, and this is what Bruce was was threatening to do, is he was threatening to go MPA and then run as an MPA in the general. Right. Which we knew this was going to... I don't want to say I knew this was going to happen, but I knew this was going to happen. Look, this guy wasn't... (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this. Look... He ran as an MPA before. He didn't run as a Republican before. And he ran as a Republican this time. But he only did that because he could get into groups and start talking where the last time he realized that he couldn't, you know, there wasn't any groups he could go to because you can't go to. If you don't, if you're not running as a Republican or a Democrat, then you're very limited in where you can go and talk at. Right. Because most of the places, especially for the primary stuff, is either a Republican one or a Democrat one. And you have to be one of those two parties in order to go, especially for like Republican clubs and a lot of these Trump clubs, which is he was trying to mar- moniker himself as the, the first, and he called himself the first Trumpian candidate. Right. Yeah. He was calling himself Florida's Trump. You know? Oh my God. <laughs> I got no, I got nothing for that guy. Yeah. I was thinking, why? Why? Like, I, yeah, Trump won, but Trump did that because he's Trump. You're not Trump. 
Yeah, there's only one of those guys. Yeah, you, you don't have the brand. Well, yeah, and there's now there was a there's quite a few candidates that I will say that it, that acted in a in the Trump fashion when it came to how they ran for office, and you know a lot of those guys actually <clears throat> lost, and the reason they lost is because there's only one dude that can get away with that. Yeah, and he's been doing it for. 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And he's like this guy, you know, this guy had been trying to run for president a bunch of times before this. You know, and honestly, he probably didn't think he was going to win either. But, you know, but yeah, but Bruce, yeah, so Bruce is, Bruce is, Bruce is running. I, and I don't think he was, like I said, I checked, just checked the Vision of Elections website. I don't think it's going to happen um, for him because it hasn't changed in there. And by now it should have changed. Right. Yeah. I, I, I saw that on his Twitter feed yesterday. He was saying, isn't it time that we have a third party? Which I found that to be hilarious. Oh, isn't there a time we have an MMA match with a freaking Nazi? Right. Because <laughs> that's what he wanted to do last election cycle. He, insane people. And I, I get... Hmm. See what I get. Is he the one that challenged... Yes, he's the one that challenged Augustus. Oh, my God. That When I first saw, when I first saw him running, when I first saw him running, we were at a Citrus County, as a matter of fact. And we were at we were at Citrus County for the they had a, a like a, a Republican barbecue event that was up there. Me and Bob were up there, and there was a bunch of candidates, politicians up there. Like Corcoran was up there, and Wilton Simpson was up there, and Caldwell I think was even up there. And there was a bunch of people all up there, right? And and so Bruce was up there, and and again, look, it's funny. Look, I know a lot of people, or I know about a lot of people, even though I don't think that necessarily that necessarily coincides where people don't. Especially for that one, I can understand how you probably don't remember who I am or anything like that. Right. But I remembered. And I, and so he looked at me and he was like, I'm Bruce Nathan. And I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> like, and it was just like that. Too. Like, oh, I know who you are. You know, who you, who you may fight this time. Like, I'm just not happy with it. And the reason I'm not happy with it is because I actually want to see people win elections and be serious about campaigning and running. And if you have someone that isn't serious about it, that just goes in there and acts a fool, that doesn't understand the position that they're running for, nor how to actually apply what positions and issues that they have effectively, and you just say dumb stuff, I get offended. Like, I get offended by that. It, it, it's... It, I don't like it. I want people to be serious when they're running, and I want people to understand the position that they're running for. And when they don't, it offends me. I, I get offended. And maybe I shouldn't get offended. Maybe I should just be willing to let it go. And for the most part, I do let it go. I don't say anything. I mean, you've never heard, I've never talked about this publicly until today. Right. <laughs> I was going to say until right now. Until right now. But the, the thing is this, though, is that, you know, if you're going to go up, like, he, and I normally I would let, I would let most of it go. However... And I wasn't there for this, but I remember being told about this. Where when Bob would go up there and campaign, Bob would talk about the years that he was with the the years with the RLC, and how he was going out there in order to, um, uh, you know, he was basically explaining that he has the experience because of all the time that he spent lobbying in Tallahassee for good bills and really understanding how the process works. So he was kind of laying out his legislative chops in order to, you know, basically let people know that. It, it's you're you are elected even though I, I've never been elected to office before because I have all this experience that you know I'm a person that can go in there and get things done right from day one. This guy Nathan used that against Bob and said, "Well, Bob's been going up there for years and nothing's changed, so that's why you should vote for me." Meanwhile, this the same guy that said one of his plans is to let homeless people sleep in the governor's mansion. Like, he's going to convert the governor's mansion from being the place where the governor sleeps at 
to being a place where homeless veterans speak at, to, sleep at. Because the, the 20, to being a shelter? Yeah, to being a shelter. Now, again, this pulls at the heartstrings. It's one of these things where it pulls at the heartstrings. Yeah. But if you think that getting 15 people a home is actually going to fix the homeless problem or that you're going to you're going to lose the space that the because the governor does dinners and functions he brings other like you bring up you bring homeless veterans up there and you hold an event for homeless veterans in right. the in the governor's mansion yeah you, like you do events there you you don't give out the the entire place and yeah. be like well this is now yours and it ain't like, yours to give out right no like just because you win the job you're a you're a steward of the position, but it, th- this goes along the line with not understanding the the position that you're running for. And then he had this thing about healthcare, how it's and, and on his business card said trademarked, like trademark on his business card. Look, if you have such a great healthcare plan, then go out and do that. That's a great idea. Don't right. run for governor. What right. are you doing? What are you running for governor for? If you have this great plan, just go out and push your healthcare idea. Yeah, just go out. But th- th- it goes down the line every time when you see candidates that shouldn't be running for office. And then they wonder why they don't get recognized. Like, they wonder why they're considered, you know, like, boy, I can't, this sounds so establishment to say it this way. I used to wonder why they don't just let everybody on the stage. Like, why don't they just let everybody in the debate and let them all on the stage? And then I started looking at some of these other candidates that are out there. And you know what? I wouldn't let them on the stage either. I don't want them to be on the stage because they're morons. They lower the they lower the level of intellectual discourse in these things, and they bring it down to the my you know the rents too damn high party guy. Yeah, but okay. One, I love the rents too damn high party guy. No, not, I love that dude too, but it's not serious. It's not serious. And I, I wouldn't love him if I lived in New York. I wouldn't love it. No. <laughs> um, so I do think that everybody needs to be on the stage because in situations like what happened at the Florida primaries, where Bob wasn't on the stage. Yeah, no, that I, and I, 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 and I understand that too. I understand that too. I understand how this is a what I'm saying is somewhat of a of a controversial position, but also a little bit of a reversal. But right. I, I'm looking at it as like I'm sick and tired of stupid candidates. That's fair. I mean, the Republicans in the 2016 when they had to have two separate debates. Oh, because there were so many running. Because there were so many running. Yeah, don't tell me you can't put everybody up on the stage, because you could. Because you could. You know, and I look, and I think if you put Bob on that stage, like I think if you put Bob on the stage in those debates with him and Putnam and DeSantis, I think if you stick Bob up there, I think Bob does very, very well. Yeah, 100%. I've seen Bob talk. He's fantastic. I do wish there was a... What I hope we could get to when it comes to the inclusion in the debates is a minimum that an individual could reach with hard work. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if there's a if if the threshold was set in a way in which it didn't matter what other people did, as long as you did those things, and it was set in a way that would be that could like it could weed out the crazy, but yet the, let the normal person that doesn't have the backing get to there. And again, I don't know where that number is at because they because I don't think it's the percentage of the vo- like your percentage in a poll. I think that that's the wrong way to do I, it. I I absolutely think that's the wrong way. I actually way to think do I would be more I would be more inclined with a a monetary number. I think like $100,000. If you raised $100,000 for the for, campaign for your campaign, then you should be allowed in the debates. Uh-huh. What if, I think I'd be good with that. What so completely spinning off, what about for presidential? Like what would be what would you think? Because right now, I think they have it, what, 15%? Is- you'd have to be on, an, I think that you'd have to be on enough ballots to have a reasonable chance of winning. I think that if you're on, I think that's kind of where I'm at. If you're yeah. on enough ballots to have a reasonable chance of winning, if you won every state that you're in, 
that you are on the ballot for, you should be on the debate stage. Yeah. No. Yeah. And Gary should have been on the debate stage. I mean, yeah. I think Gary, the only Gary and Jill, I think, should. Have been I think on the, Jill's. I think that the Green Party is has ballot access in enough states that they would have been able to do that. I think. Yeah. I think. She, I think 2016 was the first year that that was possible. I think she was doing just enough that she would have been able to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. But so, but when it comes, to, are we what are we on DeSantis and stuff? Still, uh, yeah, DeSantis and stuff. So, so. I mean, I think that DeSantis is going to win this thing at the end of the day, and I actually think one of the reasons for this is, is that I've seen. Look, I know that there's this blue wave, and in certain places around the state, the Democrats are going to win, and they're going to win elections. They may pick up a couple seats in the state house. They may pick up a couple, a couple seats in the state senate. They may, they're not going to get the majorities, but they may pick up a couple here and there. I just don't think they're going to win the governorship because I do think that the Republican Party of Florida has done. And again, I'm a Republican now, so I guess I get to talk about this. <laughs> I, I've seen the plans that they're doing in the Republican Party. Like I've seen like the 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 the, the not the agenda. It's not the right word, but like the, the plan, the 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 get out the vote effort, right? And you know what? I actually think they got a pretty solid get out the vote effort. Yeah. I got to give Blaze a lot of credit on this one. Who's the chair of the RPF? Like I got to give him a lot of credit. I think they got a really good thing going. That, you know, and don't get me wrong, they got some candidates in some tight races, but some of the guys that we like are in tight races too. Which is kind of you know we got Ray Blackledge, which is in this area. Yeah, you know, and Ray's a great candidate. He does great. You know, he's Ray's he's a really fantastic good. candidate. Oh yeah, like there's just I mean I like Ray. Brandis is down here now. That's gonna be that's not gonna be as close. You know, you got Hooper against um against Amanda Murphy. That's that's one they're targeting. Like that's that, a they got a lot of they got a lot riding on that one. Oh yeah, they've got a lot riding on that one, and that one that seems to flip every day. Oh yeah, he's up. But uh, I, I think I think right now he's up by. I think he's up by three right now. Yeah, I think it's what the last. I think the last polling on that one was like three or four points. Right, which is within the margin of error, though. So you is. don't even know. That's true. Yeah, it's either he's up by six or he's tied. Yeah, so I, you so, know, I think we'll November is going to tell a lot of. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that November is going to tell a lot on the direction of the way that the what's going to happen moving forward. With when and, and I don't mean like look if Gillum wins. <sighs> It, it, like, there's just not going to be like there's not going to be like he's going to have the bully pulp to talk about a lot of these things, but like he can't actually do a lot of. Yeah, I was going to say nothing's going to happen because he's still going to have to be dealing with the legislature that's not going to pass anything. But the Republicans are not going to be able to do a lot either. That's true because he's got line item veto power. Like the state, the, the you know the governor of Florida has line item veto, so it's going to be a war, which is going to be more gridlock, which I guess you could say is a good thing. I was going to say that. Yeah, may not okay. be a bad thing that there's gridlock. And there's going to be more gridlock in D.C. Like, if you know, I still don't think, though, that the Democrats are going to take the Senate and the House in, in Washington. I still think you're going to have a Republican majority. I don't think so. I think they've overplayed their... I think the Dems have overplayed their hand. I agree. So, with Rick Scott, Bill Nelson. Like, Bill Nelson's been in... He's been in Congress since 1980. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, he's been in Congress since 1980, whatever. And, you know, he. I don't know when he went into Senate. I think... Was that against... I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. But it's I, been a long time. Yeah, though. it's been a while. Uh, so, he's the establishment there. And then you've got Rick Scott, who... Governor of Florida for the last... Eight years. Eight years. And... Uh, I don't know who's going to win that race. I, I I'm leaning. I think Scott right now. Yeah, I think Scott right now. Look, I think that the here's the thing. <laughs> Look, I have been involved in campaigns that were against Rick Scott when Adrian was running. Yep. We were running against Rick Scott. I am not per se a fan of Rick Scott. However, 
in looking at the race between the two, I mean, like take take who I'm going to vote for out of it for a second. Rick Scott's running on term limits for Congress or for the Senate, whatever for for, for you know for term limits for in federal offices. He's running on that. Now you can't really do much with that, right? That's not going to get passed. Like it's not going to get yeah, it's not going to get passed. But he is sticking to that message like it's going out of style. Yeah. That's. That's uh, waving the red flag or whatever it is. That's red meat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, look at this. We want term limits now. We want term limits so that way we don't get these career politicians. Mm -hmm. And it'll never pass because there's no way Congress will. But people love term limits, man. People love term limits. And and if there's one thing about Rick Scott that you have to give him credit for is that that man can stick to message unlike anybody I've ever seen. He is really good at sticking to message. I mean, think about the job thing. Like, every, you know, what'd you eat today? Jobby, job, 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 job. Like, it didn't matter, man. That dude said job all the time. Constantly. Term limit's going to be the same thing for him. And you know what? When it comes to a lot of issues, compare him to to Bill Nelson, I mean, I'd say I'm probably a 75 to an 80 percenter with Rick Scott. Yeah. I'm definitely not a 75 to an 80 percenter with Bill Nelson. I mean, Rick, Rick Scott's going to have a huge issue with the red tide. Yeah. Red tide is going to be the biggest issue for Rick Scott, but that's not going to affect him in the middle of the state. That's only going to affect him on the outside. Just in the Gulf Coast, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a problem. But they are working. Well, like they didn't really fix it. No. And, they, and even their plans aren't really fixing it. Because what they needed to do is they actually need to make those reservoirs north of Lake Okeechobee and not south of Lake Okeechobee. That was one of the problems is is that we thought we were way better than Mother Nature on this. Right. We straightened out a river that we never should have straightened out. The Corps engineers did this a long, long time ago. But now we're running into the problems of this, and they need to make the reservoirs north of the lake, not south of the lake. By the way, for anybody who doesn't know what red tide is, because I just realized that most of our listeners are in San Francisco. Uh, are they really? Yeah. You have a lot of listeners in San Francisco? It's our number one city by a wide margin. No shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> San Francisco, San Jose, Ashburn, Virginia, St. Petersburg. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, so most of the people probably don't know what Red Tide is. But Red Tide is, it comes from the Okeechobee, the Okeechobee River, and there's runoff that happens from the sugar, uh, the sugar farms. Mm-hmm. And... Because of the toxicity of the runoff, it goes into the it takes the Okeechobee River and runs out into the Gulf of Mexico, and it kills a bunch of fish. Essentially, is what it is. Yeah, and it's essentially a man-made problem because of what Alex just said. And it it's awful. It smells terrible because you just have this floating sea of dead fish that just kind of works its way down. Yeah, you know what dead fish sound smells like. And even San Francisco's got to know that. Yeah, hundred percent. So I mean, it, it it's awful. It's for the last two weeks, it's been right here in the Pinellas area. Oh, yeah, because it's moving. Yeah. And it's been... And anytime I've been out near the beaches, it has been awful. Yeah. This uh, problem needs to get fixed. It needs to get fixed. And it needs to get fixed like yesterday. Well, it's not going to get fixed until it's... Look, they're, they're still doing studies and they're working on certain things. But... <laughs> all right. A bunch of years back in Florida, they passed this one amendment called Amendment 1. And Amendment 1 was designated to you take a certain tax, I think it was um, dock stamp taxes, is that dock stamp taxes were going to be there specifically for environmental purposes. Now, buying land was part of the environmental purposes, but that wasn't the only thing that they can do. And it raises like $800 million 
Now, we found out later on we were already spending more money than that anyway. Like, the, the, the Amendment 1 people actually, <laughs> if they actually realized how much money was being spent on environmental stuff, they probably would have tried to do it differently than they did because we were already spending more money on the environment than what they were spending with Amendment 1 funds, and now right. all they did was just put it all in one thing. Um, and credit to Wilton Simpson on that one. i got to give him credit. He was actually pretty smart about that. But this is the kind of problem where we need to take all the money Instead of buying more land, we need to take the money. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe there is some buying of land that will be needed in order to fix this problem. But all of Amendment 1 money should go to fix this problem next year. Is that spend $800 million then on fixing that's on what we did in to fix the whole thing, to get it all fixed. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can't spend the money to, to, to unstraighten the river out that you never should have straightened out to begin with, you arrogant people. Um, but... You know, at the same time, they got to fix this problem, though. And look, the sugar guys are the sugar guys are partly to blame for this. They're not the only ones to blame, but they're I, partly to blame for this. Agree, agree. That the, I mean, I've got my issues with Big Sugar anyway, because I mean, they they. I have no problems with Big Sugar, if you can tell. I use a lot of their sugar because I. Do, do you use the sugar? Or do you use the corn syrup though? I don't know. Probably a little bit of both. Right. So yeah, we don't sell enough sugar. The big sugar, you know, the people who are sugar farmers still get paid from the government because we didn't sell enough sugar. But for some reason, we can't use the sugar in the sodas that we have here, and we get corn syrup instead. Oh God! Which all of that just annoys me because I'm like, just let us use the sugar, and then we don't have to give them a government stipend. Yes. But for some reason, we can't because I think we have to sell enough corn as well. So that's how we ended up with corn syrup. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole show. I know. It's I, a whole show, right there. The entire thing makes no sense to me. Uh, but you've got the big sugar people who are they're the sugar farmers who are like, well, okay, I'm going to still farm here because I don't care. It doesn't affect me because mm-hmm. it really doesn't because it all goes out. And then they're still getting paid no matter if they sell enough or not. And yeah, the entire thing needs to be fixed, and it has been going on so long that it's almost. It seems almost impossible to fix it without getting rid of sugar. <laughs> they could fix it without. They could fix it without getting rid of sugar. They could fix it without. I mean, you have to maybe have to limit, maybe not have as much out there. There's a lot. We spent. I mean, on the campaign trail, we spent a lot of time on this one. This issue was something that Bob really did some research on. Hallman, who was his, who was his um, policy advisor, did a lot of research on. Wrote a couple white papers about it. Um, he had good plans. He had Bob had really good plans as far as this one is concerned. And if you ever had Bob on the air, well, you've had him on I've before. Had him but on before. you might want to, if you wanted to talk about just this issue, you could do like a show on just this issue with Bob, and he would give you some good stuff. Matter of fact, I will say that we are going to try as 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 um, as the RLC goes. Is that even though Bob didn't win the election, we are going to be going up to Tallahassee the next session. And this is going to be on our radar as one of the things that we're going to be like kind of talking about, um, because this problem does seriously have to be. Look, man, we <laughs> maybe this is where my libertarian creds don't always hold up all the way. <laughs> Let me just say that right off the bat. So you're not a real libertarian. Got it. Well, no, no, no. But <laughs> what I, what I will say is this: if you have a company. Or companies that are polluting the environment, then they are infringing on the rights of other people. That is something that is going on. And that right now, there is not a mechanism that we have that we can get, for lack of a better term, revenge. Right. 
So we got to fix this problem. I mean, we because could, we could sue them, but that won't do anything. Yeah, but it's right not, now it's not going to change. Yeah, it. but right now you couldn't even do. Yeah, but right now you couldn't even almost do that. Like because they're illegally even allowed to do what they're doing. Right. Like nobody's breaking the law here. Like there's nobody you can point to and be like, that's the bad guy. That's the guy that's doing it. That's who's breaking the law. Because in all reality, according to Facebook, that's Rick Scott, by the way. Well, of course it's Rick Scott, but you know, right. like even for the Medicare thing. Well, at any rate, let me get me. I don't want to go off subject on this one. I do want to make sure I stay here. We do have to fix this problem, and I do think that it rests on the state of Florida as a governmental agency in order to fix it because they're the ones that screwed it up too. Like they're partly to blame too, so they got to they got to you know they're culpable in this. So let's get them to fix it because I think if you just erase them out of it right off the bat right now, that does not there isn't a there isn't a mechanism within the free market that would fix this problem immediately. There isn't one that's going to have that is there. So you do need the government to step in to this point to fix it. Even though I will totally agree with you that governmental policy is one of the things that screwed a lot of this stuff up. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I read the red tide thing. Whenever I've been out talking to people about which issues they care about during this election cycle, mm-hmm. that's been the big one this year. Wow. Okay. That's, that's been, cool. That's been. A I did big not one. know that one as. I don't get that one as much. No. No, I have not. Yeah, I've got. I've gotten that one a bunch. That's cool. Wow. Um, kind of glad to hear that actually. Yeah. So, and I've seen, I've seen the red tide, and it's disgusting, and it smells awful. So yeah. It you know kills tourism, uh, it hurts businesses. Like mm-hmm. we definitely need to fix it. Yeah, because Florida survives on tourism. Yeah, and I think in the next legislative session, I actually think you're going to see some fixes to these things. Yeah, but I don't think you're ever. The other thing is this though, and it, let me bring this. I'll bring it up, and maybe in a little bit of a different way. There's always going to be problems though. Like there's always going to be hurricanes. There's always going to be damages. There's always going to be catastrophic incidents. And a lot of times, you can't blame anybody for when they happen. Even this one, which was, it's kind of predictable. It's kind of, like, you can, you. I mean, it's not like they said, well, we're just going to have red tide now and just go with it. There's a lot of factors that came into play in order for this to happen. This right. Way. So, it's, you know, but look, it's the, this is where I think that you have to measure your environmentalism. You know, because a lot of these people are, what they're, what they're asking for when it comes to how you fix the environmental problem is going to be worse than what we currently have right now. You know, like if you look at, like they talk about gasoline engines being such a, a horrible, you know, thing to the, to, the, to the environment and how, you know, the CO2 engine has been the worst thing that's happened or whatever, right? Which the, the, the guy who started Greenpeace was saying, no, that's not even close to accurate. Yeah, yeah. But let's, let's take them for the, let's say, okay, these are bad, right? Okay. What were we doing before this? We had horses who was crapping everywhere. That was an environmental problem. This thing fixed that problem. Don't get me wrong. We got new problems, but this fixed that, and we'll we'll continue to fix things. Technology will be the answer many times to the problems that we have right there. Right. And if we got government out of the way, we'd actually get to the technological fixes better. But there is always going to be some kind of problem, and there is no, you know, government cannot save you from these problems. They just can't. It is, no. They are incapable of doing that. And sometimes bad things happen. I remember when I was a. I was probably 15 or so. Uh, there was a spec car that was coming out, and it got 145 miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. And I, I, back then, I was a good church-going boy, which I know probably shocks fucking all of you. <laughs> um, 
But I was talking with my uh, youth pastor, and I was like, yeah, they got this car that's coming out that's 145 miles to the gallon. And he said to me, and I'll never forget it, he said, the government would never let that happen because it would hurt the oil companies too much. And yes, he's right. That's probably somewhat accurate, but now you have Priuses and Teslas that don't require any gas. So I guess Priuses do. I'm not 100% sure. I think your pa- I think your pastor was half right. Yeah, I think he was half right. Because I think the party was missing there was the amount of money and taxes and revenue that the government is able to generate off of that gas. Right. That's who's really going to be losing out. Right. Don't get me wrong. Oil companies are going to be losing out too. But there's oil's needed for a lot of stuff though. Like oil's not only needed for gas. Mm-mm. Oil's needed for all kinds of different stuff. Right. Oil is needed for plastics, gas, heat. modern life. Yeah. Pretty much all of modern yeah, life. Yeah, modern life. It, it really is. And I look, there are definitely solutions and, and alternatives to a lot of that stuff. And I really support most of the alternatives to a lot of these things. I just don't support it being mandated by the government right. that you use them. But However, most of the things that we support are actually banned by the government anyway. Industrial hemp being one of them. Right, which hopefully... Hemp would fix a lot of problems. Hemp would fix a lot of problems. And if Matt Caldwell gets elected... Yeah, Matt's Matt's pro hemp. Matt's pro hemp. Matt's pro hemp. That's and that's a good thing too. I'm glad he is pro hemp on that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He still wants to do the studies before he goes in there because of the prior guy saying that it was an invasive species. That that we still have to work through some of those things. But he's going to be coming at it from an honest perspective. He's an honest broker in this one. Right. So I think that we'll. I think we're going to get there because it's a good idea. Um, And I can see hemp being an invasive species. I mean, its cousins known as weed yeah but so, you know but, we, gotta, we got a lot of problems on that front but I think we'll, I think with Matt we got an honest broker that I think will do the right thing right and I mean I, I respect Matt like the moment I met him I knew he's my vote as long as he got the nomination yeah which he did so and that was close too though that was four away race yeah that was close but I I, I knew he was going to be the one that I, I was pretty certain he was going to be the one that won and I knew he was going to be the one I was voting for if he did win. Yeah, yeah. No, I like Matt. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we talked a little bit about defending Trump earlier. Oh, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> and the Trump derangement syndrome, how it goes both ways and, yep. that, kind of, and that kind of stuff, which which it does. Because like, you have the Trump, the, the Trumpeters, uh, who they are, anything the Democrats put up bad, like, We'll, and we'll go back to Kavanaugh for the for the case mm-hmm. study here. This girl is lying. There is no doubt she is lying. Kavanaugh is fine. He should be approved. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Democrats on the other side are going, no, this girl's probably telling the truth. Or if she isn't telling the truth, like it's only one man's life that's being ruined, but it's safer to do it that way. And so both sides, fucking nuts. Like just fucking crazy on both sides. And the, oh, I'm going to vote for this person because Trump told me to, even though that person might be the KKK member, Corey Stewart. Um, and I guess not, probably not KKK. He, he's not, no, no, he's not KKK. He was, but I will say this though. He had just, he had some alliances that were a little too close. Yeah, a little too close. Like, not like DeSantis, like DeSantis doesn't have alliances that were a little too close. Corey Stewart did though. Yeah, Corey Stewart was. That's a whole different ball game. Yeah, Corey Stewart's just. Uh, just do not like that guy. And the f- fact that I've heard people who are Trumpeters saying, well, he's Trump's guy, so I voted for him. Yeah, no, and you get a lot of that. The yeah. happen- reason DeSantis won so big in Florida. Right. And just be... 
there's that video that's going around the internet that I'm certain most of the people who are listening to this have seen or people who are watching this have seen. But the guy who he's in an office and somebody says something completely and totally wrong and he corrects them and they say, why are you a Trump fan? And then yeah. he begins having to defend Trump. I find myself in that situation a lot. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for Gary Johnson as well. And I didn't like voting for Gary Johnson, but... Yeah. You know. He was the best option you had. Yeah, he was the best option that we had. And I don't like Trump. I do like a few of the things he has done. Yes. I'm not going to lie about that. There have been some things that he has done that I've been like, all right, that's cool. I don't like Kavanaugh that much, but... Yeah, but that's a different argument than whether you like Trump or not, though. Fair. And... But when you're sitting there and you're espousing all of this just crap, Mm -hmm. all this stuff that is factually untrue, and I have to tell you that it's wrong, and then it sounds like I'm defending Trump when I'm not. I'm actually just trying to... Have an accurate reflection of what happened. Right. And then you're coming back at me like I'm this huge Trumpeter, Republican, neocon, whatever. Stop making me do that. Yes, yes. Please stop making me do that. Mm-hmm. And it goes the same way with the other side. If you talk about how you're against tariffs and you're against this other stuff, well, you just want the Democrats to win. Right. And it's like, tariffs is a bad idea. Tariffs we used is to be, bad. This used to be a party of free trade. What happened? Right. You you hate taxes. Tariffs are taxes. Oh, well, we have a tariff. Uh, yeah, but China's screwing us over. We have a trade. We have a trade deficit. You have trade deficits with every company that you do business with. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the importance that they put on trade deficits is, is 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 look, don't get me wrong. Look, if they're if we're buying more products and services overseas, then there is then there is corollarily less people in America that are making these products and services. Right. For uh, products because we're not doing services like this, but when it comes to products, if you're buying your products overseas and you're not buying them here, then you don't have American workers actually making those products. The reason they want to do the tariff is they want to be able to increase the price so much that if they increase it enough, then it's enough money for the Americans to be able to do it. However, and this is the other part, currently, right now, there are millions of skilled labor jobs that are just waiting for people to be filled. Yep. And just like you go on the left on this one, you can go on the right on this one as well, is to say, look, we don't need the tariff thing. We're fine with the trade imbalance the way that it is because you know what? There's all kinds of different jobs out there for people to take. We don't have to relegate them to factory workers to where they're just sitting there stamping a product, stamping a product. Stamp- you know what? Let- buy your cheap crap from China. What do you care? Right. Like, my iPhone cost $1,000. I don't want that to go up. And if you bring it back to the States, it's going up. Damn right it's going up. It's going up. And I don't want that to go up. Yeah. Do I understand about how they are being made? Yes. But do I also understand that since iPhone has started been making, uh, been making their iPhones over there, that the workers there have been able, now that they've started making money, yeah, it may not be a lot of money, but they've started making money, which now means that they have a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. They have now been able to demand better working facilities, and they're getting them because they can. Yeah, that's the way that that works. Like, and I understand you want to bring jobs back to the United States, but innovation brings jobs back to the United States. Don't force companies to do this, like because you're costing them jobs too. Though that's the thing; these tariffs do cost us jobs. Yes, 
it's just a, it's a it's a matter of fact. But to, back to the original premise of this, though, which is you have this derangement syndrome to where it doesn't like if you say anything of like, well, he didn't really do that. Oh, what are you a racist, homophobe, bigot, just like Trump is? It's like, no, 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 no. You're just not being factually correct. Right. You're just. You're just not putting out the evidence in the way that it's supposed to be put out. You're, uh-huh. putting, you're putting out the evidence in your very biased opinion as opposed to, okay, this is what really happened. Yeah. Just like on the right, they do the exact – they do the same thing but the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just, it, they're the other side of the coin in exactly. this aspect. And I just – what I want to see more of – look, when he does well, I'm going to say he does well. When he right. does bad, say he does something bad. I don't – look, I don't like the demeanor a lot of times. I don't like when he's insulting on people. But you know what, though? It's not all the time. Sometimes – and this is where – this is where – this is why this guy won the election is that sometimes – you know what? Going and being a total dick is not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. No. Because some of these people deserve it. Yes. Like, you, they act like – and look, however bad – and again, we're almost in five-year-old arguments right now. Like, not five-year-old like five years ago. I'm talking like little five-year-olds. Yeah, little five-year-olds. Is that it's almost like the left was waiting for a reason to act worse than Trump. And so they're using Trump as the reason that they now can act like even bigger dicks. Like, like and when, whenever, whenever you're challenged on it, they'll go, well, look at what the president's doing. Like, is that a reason? Right. Is like, that- are you a five-year-old? To... Two wrongs don't make a right. Mm-hmm. Which, oddly enough, I saw that argument in a Kavanaugh thread where they <laughs> said Bill Clinton's do two wrongs make a right. Are you what? But that's not even close to the same thing. No. Look, These if are... they had some proof on this case, look, if this lady could remember the time, date, and location and a couple people to back her up, you know what? That would be credible. That enough. would be credible. Like that's worth that's how low the bar is for me. Is that if you just had some people that could corroborate that you were there and that it was a party and that you you complained about it afterwards? Like, if you're going to tell me that in 1982 that you just didn't tell anybody, like, there's no one that can go back and when, say when you were a 15 year old. Come on, of course you would have told somebody. Of course you would have. A I mean, best friend, somebody. Yeah, what, you're going to tell me there's not one person because here's the thing too. This isn't like it was a full on rape. This was. This was, they were attempting it, but they didn't get anywhere with it. Like they were, he, it, it, again, if she, what she's saying is true. If what, yeah, if what, if what she is saying is if, true. Then he got on top of her and he started feeling her up and down and started pulling, trying to pull her panties off, but she got away before that. Right. Well, if that's the case in, in, in 82, you're going to tell me you didn't tell anybody about that? a single person. Come on. Yeah, that part doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, again, I'm not trying to blame Nobody else, and I'm not, yeah, I don't want to blame victims and like... Anything like that, but nobody, nobody at the party saw you upset, crying, ask you what's wrong. Nothing, nah. like nothing. you know, to say you didn't, and you didn't see a therapist about it until twenty twelve, right? Like, it, it, was it really scarring you that bad if you didn't see anybody until twelve? Like, so I mean, thirty years later, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't. And again, look, I never want to. Look, I guess that you could. Come, I mean, again, none of us know exactly what happened. But it just seems like there's so many different shady things that are going like thing after thing after thing after thing after thing, and it's like you're, like you're poking your own holes in the story. You know, it's like if you were in a boat, you're literally just taking a, you know, taking a stick and just, you know, you're causing holes. Right. You're you're spearing it. Mm-hmm. You're you're trying, you're essentially trying to sink yourself, which is 
The it's only, just stupid. Which is why I really don't think it. I think it was just a delay tactic. I, think I it's really a delay do. Tactic. I mean, I feel bad for a person that would be willing to. Because look, her life is. Here's the thing: her life is now going to irrevocably change. Yes, it already has. And you know what? There are people, and I don't know why they're doing this, that are giving her death threats and things like that. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. Like, here's the thing: like, you can you can not like the woman, but don't go giving her don't like don't do death threats on her. No. Don't. Is that where we got to? Is, like, is that where we're at? Like, I hope they find the people that did do death threats and that they arrest those people. Agreed. 100%. Like, I, you those know, people deserve to go to jail. Yeah. Just like the people that are doing it to Kavanaugh's kids. Yeah. You know, and you know, ugh, there's just so much ugliness on both sides. It's not even funny. Yeah. Right Right now, it, it is it is the most entertaining time in politics since I've been alive. Oh, yeah. If I had the Carlin aspect, I really would be entertained. Right. Like, and, I feel bad that I'm still involved. So, like, I still don't, like, I don't, uh... What's the word for it? Like a downplay anything? Or yeah, like I still take it kind of seriously. Like right. I wish I was like Carlin, where Carlin just totally, you know, at a certain point, George Carlin just totally took himself out of it. He's just here as a spectator, right. so he can make fun of all of it. Right. I'm not there. I get that, but yeah, I. It's the most entertaining time in politics, but at the same time, it's the most divisive side in politics. Yeah, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. It's insane. Mm-hmm. The hatred that both sides have for each other. Needs to be taken way, way the fuck down. Yeah. It needs to be taken way down because it has gotten to a point where f- people are losing friends. Oh, yeah. People are losing friends. Family members don't talk to each other. And none of that should be, none of that should be happening. Yeah. I, and I, here's the thing, though. I cannot throw stones in that glass house, though. I'm going to tell you that, that, that those things have affected me as well. I can't even lie and say that. I, I am not above it. I am not above it. I do try to choose to ignore it as much as I can. However, it's one of those things where I just choose to ignore it because I can't even handle it. Like I can't even handle, and it's my own. It's my own problem, by the way. This is a, this is a failing on my part. But I I have a hard time with it myself, even with some people. Like yeah. I don't want to hear what I don't want to. Like I don't want to hear what they have to say anymore. Like, once you go too far, eh, I'm done with you. You've gone too far. No, I get that. I do get that. There, I mean, I've got a few people that I've unfriended on Facebook just because I was tired of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of it is just that I'm tired of the vitriol where it's always, like, it's not like they're giving a consistent opinion. Right. So maybe I might be able to dig myself out of that part. But at the same time, I still don't want to hear it. Right. No, and I, I can see that. But you're right, though. No, no, no. But you are right. This is a... this. We need to get past this. We need to get past this. We need to get past it. We need to get past it soon because... I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, though. And I, my family hates when I talk about them on this show. But at Christmas, we were having family dinner. <laughs> and we started talking about foreign policy, which... Oof. Had my little sister been there, she and I would have been on the same side on foreign policy. Everybody else does not agree. So we were sitting there talking, and I was like, I really feel as though we should just probably bring all the troops back home and close all the bases. Personal opinion of mine. I was Molotov cocktail. Yeah. I was told by my older sister that uh, she wanted to punch me in the face for that statement, and I said, that sounds really peaceful. <laughs> and, and that was where it really just that was where it just exploded oh yeah and i was just like okay and then my friend my buddy of like my my longest friend he was sitting there with us and he was like maybe we should just talk about something else and i was like yeah that's probably a good idea 
That happens, though. That it happens. Does. It does. But really, when you get to the point of threatening to punch family members in the face because they want to bring troops home, maybe it's time to take a step back and be like, do I really care about this issue that much? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I no, I just, you know what, though? I, will, I, I would imagine, though, that you do. I think when it comes to the foreign policy aspect, I think that's where, you know, if you look at the reasons for why you believe in what you believe, that you do want there to be a more peaceful world. And I, 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 mean, I agree with you, by the way, so it's right. not like I disagree with you on the statement. I, would, I wasn't 100% sure where you stood on that. Oh, no, I'm a total non-intervention as far as yeah. foreign policy goes. No, no, I think... I knew you were a Marine, so... No, I can understand that. Sure. No, no, but war's a rocket. Chesty Puller. <laughs> Simplify. Um... The reason I say that Chesty Puller, because he was a Marine. Right. Um, But the thing about it is this, is that they view that as like, you want America to lose. Right. That's, I mean, look, I don't know your sister, so I can't, I can't speak. But they think that you're, they think we're losing. Like, oh, if we do that, we lose. Like, what are you losing? Like, what are you going to lose? We shouldn't be over there. No, we shouldn't. You know, but we look again. I mean, there's so many different problems on that one, but I mean, that's a whole different story. I mean, where are we at anyway? By the oh way? yeah, we're we are way over. Like, what do you mean way over? Though? We're at uh, like one hour fifty right now. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get everything on the list, did we? Not yet. I mean, well, hold on. Oh, what did we miss? We, we're only missing one. Oh shit! Oh, we got to fix it. Now we got to finish it. Though. I know we, we got to finish, finish it. it. That's like I looked and I was like, I looked at the time on one point and I was like, man, we're kind of almost there. We'll just do a long episode. Um, So yeah, the last thing on the list. (laughs) What is the last thing on the list? Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, crap! Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. I cannot wait for this fucking movie to come out. Yes, yes. I'm very much looking forward to this movie coming out, by the way. The guy that they've got playing him, um, Rami... I forget Rami's last name. He was in the iRobot iRobot yeah, he was in our, oh, I our TV show. Yeah, yeah, the TV show. The TV show, iRobot. Our... My Robot. My... My Robot? Damn it. Hold on. I gotta, now i got to look the Yeah, no, up. that's fine. But You keep talking while I look Yeah, that's fine. But it, 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 it's the story of Queen, and uh, it's the story of Queen and the life of the lead singer. Uh, and the, the trailer... I've only seen one of the trailers... I don't know if they've put out a second one yet, but the trailer for this movie looks so unbelievable. Obviously, the soundtrack is going to be kick-ass because it's Queen. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be just amazing. It's going to be even better than kick-ass, though, because if you know Queen's music, you realize that they were not your regular band. They were incorporating and getting very experimental with a lot of the stuff that they were doing, and I think that part of this movie is going to go into that process that they were doing Yes. And how, but but also how they wanted to be interactive with the fans, like it was just. I mean, man, I can't wait for this movie. This movie, this movie looks so incredibly good. And I mean, as much as I didn't want to get into the politics of this movie, the the left and the right have been taking two different stands on it. Obviously, he was gay. We all know that. Yeah, the right was very. Well, I think he was bi, though. I think he was. Yeah, he may have been bi. I, he he died of AIDS, right? Yeah, yes. No, no, he was, He definitely was, I mean, he was definitely, he, he, I know, we know he liked dudes. I think he was actually both, though. Okay. Like, I think he was doing it both ways. And so the trailer comes out. I think nothing of the trailer, probably because of my cisgendered. 
Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. That was what it was. Um, probably because of my cisgender normalization. Uh, but I didn't notice that they didn't bring up the fact that he had a boyfriend in the trailer. People on the left did, and they started like railing on the people who made the trailer because of this. Really? Yes. Okay, there's one in all the... And I've watched all the trailers. There's one scene where a dude is coming up on him as he's playing the piano. Is that what they're talking about? Well, no. In the first trailer, there was nothing. And that's what the left was getting upset about. There was like, why aren't you addressing the fact that he had a boyfriend in the trailers? It's like, well, we all knew he was gay. But they don't address everything in trailers. Right. It's the trailer. You don't need to know everything in the trailer. I mean, granted, for Milk, you probably need a little bit extra, right? Because not a lot of people know who Harvey Milk was. Yeah. So you probably need to throw in a little bit extra stuff on there. Everybody knows this guy. Yeah, it's not a, it wasn't a secret or a mystery. I mean, you know, but it, you know what the problem, this goes into the problem, is that if you asked Freddie Mercury about those, I mean, he's dead now, so you can't ask can't him. Can't ask him. But if you were to ask Freddie Mercury about that, I'll bet you he saw the trailer when it, was, it would have been probably pretty good with it because he was about the music. Right. Like, he wasn't about the fact that he was gay. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was, de- you know, he definitely, you know, it, it was a part of his life. But it's a it's a movie about his, like, the, don't get me wrong. A lot of the movie is going to be about him. More than it's, it's going to be about the about the the music. Yes, but the music plays a huge role in this. From at least from watching the the previews. By the way, his name Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Who, in all honesty, I can't believe. Like, it's really funny that, like, if you watch him in Mr. Robot, and then you watch him as Freddie Mercury, you're like, man, that dude was born to play this freaking role. Like, he was born to be this character, which. You know, it's it's weird how... He wasn't the original person cast. Who were they going to cast first? Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, thank God they didn't do that. I saw. Thank a, God they didn't do that. I saw a picture of him as Freddie Mercury, and it was pretty spot the fuck on. So I, I'll give him that credit, but I don't like Sasha Baron Cohen. Just, just his acting chops. I mean, he was he's never... I'd have a lot of concerns if it would have been Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah. because he's just not that kind of an actor that would be able to play that role. I agree with that. So, I agree with that's that. That's probably why they didn't, well, that's probably why I went with somebody else. But right. this dude looked like he was, like, he really looks really good in the, like, in the movie itself. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you go back and, <laughs> this is what happens when they do some of these movies where there is footage from back in the day. Right. And then there's footage now, or they're, they're remaking the they're movie. They're remaking it. Like, their clothes looked way jankier then. Not to, not to steal to Greg's word, but they used their Freddie Mercury's outfits looked way jankier back in the day than what the movie's going to show that they oh, look yeah. like now. Like if you look at like one of his best performances, which was the um, um, uh, Africa Eight or something like that, where it was like one of the most legendary performances that they did, and he was wearing these pants and they were like mom jeans, man. Like he had like like these mom jeans and they were all janky and all messed up and stuff. Like they weren't badly messed up, but like. They were 80s messed up. Like, right. it was, in, you know, it's not it, like now. Right. It, it, it wasn't the clean, crisp. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, they were, because they were, you know, it was doing a concert. But he would, I mean, they would did awesome. Like, the concerts were awesome concerts. I really am looking forward to this movie. I can't wait for this movie. It looks I, so I'm good. hoping it does. I'm, what I'm hoping it does, though, is I'm hoping it does go through. I hope it gives a balanced perspective on the entire movie. Because I do want to know a lot about the process how there's a band that they were treated. 
I, I do want to know about some of the stuff that he dealt with in his personal life too, but I don't want him to focus all on one or all on the other. I want him to make sure that they give a a balanced, an overall balanced look at the at the band and him. Yes, I would agree with that. So, just based on based on what you've seen in the trailer, and you're one of the few people I know I can ask this question to. Yeah. So, based on what you've seen in the trailer, do you think him as Freddie Mercury, or Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison? Oh man! Just based off the trailer. Just ba- I mean, you haven't seen the movie, so you can't really give it. You can't really give it the full. Because I, I, Val Kilmer is Jim Morrison. He was a great Jim Morrison. He was he was Jim Morrison. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I love Val Kilmer more than possibly any other actor that's ever lived. So even in Magruder. <laughs> no, no, he was great in Magruder. No, 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 he was funny in that. No, he no. was funny in that. But oh, I mean, he's I got, actually think this guy's going to do a better job as Freddie Mercury. Wow, that's big. I, I, so I remember, but I'm, but I'm only. Hold on, this is a future bet. This it, is a future, future bet. bet. Yeah, no, I get it. This I get a, it. I just think that the, I think that it's there, and I also think that it's. Hmm. Wow, I, this is I. I love the Doors. And I love Jim Morrison. So I don't. I don't want this to sound badly, even though it might sound badly. I think it would be harder to play Freddie Mercury than it would be to play Jim Morrison. Yes, I will agree with that. Jim, you know what I mean by that? Jim Morrison was a drunk posing as a poet. It, I, I, you still got to... Look, I, it's only close. It's, it's close, but it's just a little bit harder to play Freddie Mercury than it would be to play Jim Morrison. Partly for that reason, but you still have to have that same... You still have to create the aura that Jim Morrison created, and Val Kilmer did that in the he did, he did that. So, he did it so well that when I was, I don't know, 11, 12, something like that, my dad and I walked into a CD store, like a Sam Goodies or some something that's no longer in business, I'm certain. And they, <laughs> Probably not. Right. And they had a Doors uh, CD on display because mm-hmm. people were buying the shit out of it because that movie had yep. just come out. And I said, Dad, look, it's Val Kilmer. And he said, no, that's Jim Morrison. I said, no, that's Val Kilmer. <laughs> that is how well he embodied it to me <laughs> because... He was Jim Morrison. Oh, he did a great job. In that he was movie. so good. No, he did a great job in that movie. And just so everybody knows, my parents did not let me watch The Doors when I was 11 years old. That was just based on what I had seen on TV. Yeah. I do think this guy's got a chance to do a better job as I think he does. Freddie Mercury. Though. I think he does. I don't know if he... I don't think he embodies the look as well as my big thing on that one. Like, he looks like him, but not as much as... Jim Morrison and Val Kilmer looked like each other. Okay, if we're gonna go, if we're gonna base it off of looks alone, if you only are looking at the aesthetic, right, just the look itself, like a, take a picture, right, picture to picture, I definitely got to give Val Kilmer the credit on this one, right. But if you get, you got to take everything. If you take everything, account. but I mean, again, <laughs> there's no way for us to know that right now. I I love Val, so I'm really hoping Val's still a better Jim Morrison than he is a Freddie Mercury. Yeah, but you know, we'll see what happens. Right, we will. I still want it to be a good movie. This is the first movie that I'm going to go to that's not like an Avengers movie or like a like a comic book yeah, movie, Marvel that, I'm movie. Gonna, that I want to go to. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've hit a movie. I need to do that again too. Yeah, it's been a while too. Last I was in another state last time I went to a movie. I think. <laughs> Me too. I was in Alaska. I was in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that that actually covers all of it. We pretty much. We can't hours. believe we went through the whole thing. Yeah. 
I, at one point, I was just like, in my head, I went, screw it, let's just go. <laughs> I just like sitting down and have, I, I look, what, the reason I like doing this show is we sit down and we talk about a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And we just go off on, on tangents. Yeah, you know? we just go on and on and on. And like, obviously, two and a half hours. Right. I mean, and it's, anytime you're on the show, which is, I mean, granted, it's only been twice, but when you're, whenever three you're times. On, you've been on three times? I think three times. I think the last time I was on once early. Then the last, then the then the last time, and then this time. Okay, this will be the third time, I think. If not, I'll do it again, though. I mean, you I know, mean, you are forever welcome to come on my show. I know. I love doing. I love doing the show with you, man. It's yeah. always a fun time. No, that's a great time. Because yeah, we, we, we don't have Mountain Man in the background, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, that's one of those inside jokes that I like staying inside. But anybody that's listening to it will laugh that knows what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah. Well, I was like, man, no. I don't know if anybody that listens to me is going to understand. Nobody in San Francisco is going to pick that one yeah, up. Yeah, nobody in San yeah. Francisco is picking that audience that up. is going to is going to fly right over their heads right. on that one. But again, yeah, thank you so much for spending the last couple of hours with me. As My pleasure, always, brother. Uh, all right, man, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Beautiful. And everybody else, thank you all for listening. Please like, please share. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash uh, Muddied Waters of Freedom or facebook.com slash The Writer's Block. Uh, we're on Instagram at The Muddied Waters of Freedom and on Twitter at Muddied underscore Muddied underscore Waters. And get back out there and continue writing because that is the easiest and most fun way to make a difference. I am. I am. I am swinging from a seven-story window. Throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's a standing the legs I'll go. Yeah.